0: Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to the Astrology Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the zodiac sign Capricorn and talking about its characteristics and traits and meaning, basically doing a whole two-hour deep dive into the meaning of this sign. So joining me today are astrologers Diana Rose Harper and Madeline DeCotes. Welcome both of you.
1: Hi. Hi, it's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining me today. Diana, this is your like 10th appearance on the podcast. You actually <laughs> also have the distinction of being one of the few people that joined me in both the Planetary Series and now the Zodiac Series, um, having done this Saturn episode together last year. And Madeline, this is your first time on the show.
1: Oh, uh, correct.
0: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit first. I like to open these episodes talking about your what your credentials are and, and getting a little bit of a resume in terms of your Capricorn placements. Um Diana, let's start with you. What are your what are your placements?
2: Uh, so I have a Capricorn rising, Saturn and Venus. I also have the lot of Eros and the Lot of Fortune in Capricorn, and Neptune and Uranus, and the asteroids Eros and Hegeia. So a lot of Capricorn happening.
0: All right. Well, that's a, that's a little bit of stellium there, a little stellium action going on. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty good. But then you've also got that balancing like Sagittarius stellium of Sun, Moon, and Mercury in Sagittarius as well. Yeah. Okay. Good times. Um, that's pretty good credentials. I think the, the Leo people had like a stellium measuring contest at one point. So I think you're, <laughs> I think you're up there in terms of um, beating them out, especially once you include some of those other, other points. hmm. Uh, Madeline, what about you? What are your credentials?
1: Yeah, I've got, uh, I'm also a Capricorn rising and part of the Saturn, Uranus, Neptune in Capricorn generation. Um, But, you know, I might win just because I have Mars on the Mm. ascendant in Capricorn. Just going to put that out there. And in a really beautiful trine to Venus and Taurus. Thank you. Uh, It is a beautiful trine. Wow. Thank wow. God. That's all I I'm can impressed. say. Thank God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I like that Mars placement, in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. I think that is the best placement. I think everyone objectively agrees. Uh, mm-hmm. As we'll see when we get to my chart, which also has Mars in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, both of you are from that generation of the late 1980s when there was that pile up of stuff in Capricorn, and then you all just you have that concentrated both of you like in your rising sign, which is pretty, pretty notable.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely an experience of embodying uh, quite literally generational signatures. Mm-hmm. Also, I apologize for the loud sound. I don't know what is happening in my neighbor's house, but it just started as soon as we started recording.
0: That's fine. It's not too bad right now okay. from our perspective, so we might be okay. Uh, mm. I've got I've got some stuff as well, so we'll see how it goes. One thing that's cool I just noticed randomly in both of your charts is you both have those generational placements in Capricorn with the outer planets, but then one of you has Venus there as well as a personal planet, and then one of you has Mars there as a personal planet. Just mm-hmm. kind of an interesting interesting trade off there in, in sort of balance.
3: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it really brings it home. I think like. Probably Diana, like you're saying, embodying that generation. Mm-hmm. I feel that pretty strongly. We are here to do the work.
2: Right. And you have a night chart, right, Madeline? I didn't actually see where your son was. Yeah, um, yeah, it's in the fourth. Right. So that brings the the Mars component even more strongly forward. I have mm-hmm. diurnal triplicity with Venus and Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So we both have uh strengthened uh, personal planets in the first and cap.
3: hmm
0: there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Um, for myself, most I did pretty much most of this Zodiac series having none of the placements that we were talking about, so it's not until the very end that I get to say that I actually have some of my own credentials, which is that I have Jupiter and Mars in Capricorn in my birth chart in the 12th house. So while I can't Uh, speak to the like big stellium energy that both of you have in Capricorn, I can at least uh, talk about it a little bit from that perspective. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Mm -hmm. That's very interesting too to have the planet exalted in Capricorn as well as the planet in fall. So we'll probably touch on that more when we get to that part of the episode.
0: That is an excellent transition because that's what we'll talk about right now with this beautiful diagram that Paula Bellomini designed for us, which shows First, the the symbol for those watching the video version or the glyph for Capricorn, Uh, Capricorn is the name of the sign. Uh, So, Capricorn in terms of its basic stats or qualities is a feminine or nocturnal sign. It's one of the three, it's the third Earth sign in the series of the zodiac using the four qualities of Earth, air, fire, and water. In terms of modality, it's a cardinal sign in terms of the modalities of cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Um, in terms of planetary rulerships, Capricorn is the first planet in our series that's ruled by the planet Saturn, which is the furthest and slowest visible planet. Capricorn is also said to be the sign of the exaltation of Mars, where the planet Mars is raised up. It's said to be the sign of the detriment or antithesis of the moon, since it's opposite to the moon's home sign of Cancer. And it's said to be the sign of the fall or the depression of Jupiter, since it's opposite to. The sign of the exaltation of, Capricorn, of, of Jupiter, where Jupiter is raised up in Cancer. So, those are the basic qualities that we're going to be talking about here. And here's a diagram which just shows the signs of the zodiac in general, um, where we started out many episodes ago, 10 episodes ago, back with Aries. We've now gotten up to the top of the zodiac with uh, the sign of Capricorn. All right. So, um, starting points where should we start in terms of talking about this sign or where do the two of you like to start when you think about when you when you talk about and conceptualize this sign
1: can i just quickly interject for the audio listeners there's a very cute typo on that graphic it said domicile of the saturn which okay that was very appropriate yeah.
0: yeah well that's pretty good i think you should put a the a definitive in front of most like capricorn and saturn things
1: uh, that's what it feels. Yeah, domicile of the Saturn, unlike Aquarius, domicile of the, <laughs> the fake Saturn.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> the real Saturn <laughs> we find in Capricorn. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just kidding, Aquarians, you're very Saturnian. Yeah. I think the
2: first thing that comes to mind whenever I talk about Capricorn, my, my impulse is to immediately address stereotyping um, when it comes to Capricorn. And a large part of that, I think, is the stereotype. It very much focuses on the cardinality as well as the earthiness in terms of building materiality, like building material resources, which, you know, that tracks with it being cardinal, that is to say, initiating, like trying to get stuff done and being an earth sign having to do with the tangible in some way. Yeah. Um, And it's really easy. Oh, go ahead.
0: And that's a good starting point just because we're definitely building this up as if the person doesn't have any preconceptions about the sign and is learning Mm. this for the first time. So that, you know, we might want to establish some of that stuff if we're taking that for granted before Mm -hmm. knocking down some of the the misconceptions, the preconceptions.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like um, the the things I think about with Cardinal Earth are things like tectonic plate action that creates mountains, right? Mm. Or, um, you know, the rifts at the bottom of the ocean where like lava comes up and it cr- literally creates the seafloor, mm. or whenever there are underwater volcanoes that eventually create archipelagos, like islands and things like that, there's something very much I am building something substantial mm. that comes with uh, the territory of Capricorn.
0: That's great. I love that. So, the cardinal earth energy, because that's one of the issues sometimes with other cardinal signs like Aries. Um, mm-hmm. It can have that great initial push and that fierce initial drive to create something, but it doesn't have sometimes a lot of staying power or a lot of long lastingness. And Capricorn is the earth uh, is the cardinal sign that the most out of the four cardinal signs because it's ruled by Saturn. Um, even though it has that quality of being a cardinal sign, sign still seems like it has a greater sense of permanence or lastingness or Endurance to a certain extent compared to the other four cardinal signs.
2: Yeah, building durability.
3: Yeah, mm.
0: yeah, that makes sense. Um, I
1: love that imagery as well with the um, what you're describing, Diana, with you know what creates mountains and what creates mm-hmm. land masses and sort of the inherent uh, violence in that, which might mm-hmm. speak to again the allusion to Mars having its exaltation in Capricorn, or the notion that Capricorn. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some suffering or some pain you know requisite mm-hmm. in creating something that's long lasting so that visualization of tectonic plates ramming together mm-hmm. and then the result is continents right uh,
2: yeah absolutely absolutely it's like uh the ring of fire along the pacific ocean where there's so much volcanic activity there's so much land being built but there's also quite a lot of um caution that you have to take in those, in these areas, you know, as somebody that's on the West coast of North America, you know, there's quite a lot of tectonic activity. And so you have to be aware that at any moment in the process of the creation of land or the interactions of
1: land masses, like there can be destruction too.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: There's definitely that looming quality to living on the West Coast. Um, mm-hmm. I recall lived in Portland, Oregon for ten years, and yeah, just the imminent threat of oh, the big one is is coming. We're due for the big earthquake anytime. Set yeah. a very, I mean, there's like a Capricornian tone there. Obviously, Mm-mm. like just be prepared. We all might die soon. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I almost wore my hoodie today that says, uh, death is certain. And it has like two dancing rats with flower crowns on it. It's like very, you know, the, the humor, but also the reality of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all creation has alongside it destruction. There's sort Mm -hmm. of this Saturnian awareness with Capricorn Mm -hmm. of the finitude of materiality, which is part, at least in my experience, that's part of the kind of cardinal impulse to create things that endure like can we push the edge of how long things can last um because nothing
1: actually can last forever Mm -hmm. yeah pursuing like personal material comforts is irrelevant to capricorn for that reason Mm -hmm. because in that grand scheme of things like Et cetera, et cetera. We're all going to die. Yeah.
0: It seems like, like in that way it's contrasting sort of Cancer, which is more of a nurturing sign ruled by the moon. Whereas um, Saturn, to the extent that it nurtures something, it does it more through um, testing and trial and sort of like attrition and like that which isn't strong enough doesn't survive. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, a sort of like, like evolution or something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is much more of a harsh um, way of things growing. Rather than one where things are just like supported and nurtured and kind of like babied into existence.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. One of the things I think about, like I know we'll talk more about the balance between cancer and Capricorn, but one of the things I think about is Capricorn is the bucket and then cancer is the milk that goes in the bucket. The milk needs is supposed to be consumed. It's gonna be used up really quickly. But if you have a really good bucket, <laughs> like that bucket can be all around for multiple generations, and there's lots and lots and lots of batches of milk that gets held in the bucket. Um, you know, like Capricorn is not the the nourisher, but that which holds the nourishing thing. So it's like, I don't really care about the nourishing thing as long as I know I can hold it.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that which provides form or like structure uh, mm-hmm. and and support to that, which nourishes. But because then the opposite is like if you've got a leaky bucket or like a hole in your bucket that's like defective, then it's not going to be able to hold that nourishment and and effectively do its job essentially.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's like milk is crucial for the growing of the structures of young ones, right? So there's also this idea of you have to hold that which will contribute to structures. By having a structure to hold the nourishing thing. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. So we're getting into a lot of like Saturn keywords. And I think this is really good and really important as a baseline since that's something we focused on in every sign pretty early on, which is just what is the ruling planet? And unlike some of the other signs where we've seen almost every of the other planets at this point, this is the first time that we've encountered Saturn. Um, as a ruler of the sign of the Zodiac or within the context of the signs of the Zodiac, um, what are some basic keywords for Saturn that are kind of relevant for Capricorn? It sounds like so far we're talking about things like structure, um, but also issues related to like time and impermanence and other things like that, it seems like. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. I think labor is another big one. Uh, with those mm-hmm. traditional associations of Saturn sort of representing the working class or the, you know, the the people in society who have to exchange their labor for livelihood as opposed to, say, uh, the sun, you know, r- being the ruling class. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's like
2: essential workers mm-hmm. are have like this kind of Saturnian element in that they are. Foundational for the continuance of society. Um, and so, like, foundation, I feel like is a Saturn word that I would associate with Capricorn, um, as well as like legacy, you know, legacy as a consequence of durability or endurance of whatever the thing might be.
3: Um, yeah, legacy. There's
1: mm-hmm. almost uh, all things, mm-hmm. all things that are old and ancient and enduring, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like uh you know ancient ruins elderly Mm -hmm. people rocks, anything that's been yeah (laughs) just (laughs) just rocks like literally rocks the bones around and seen a lot yeah Yeah. fossils
2: (laughs) yeah bones like literally bones yeah um uh oh man i just had a word and it just left
0: um, in So Camille yeah. Michelle Gray helped do some research for this episode, and in her notes she wrote down some keywords for Capricorn such as hard work, discipline, groundedness, responsibility, mm-hmm. long-term planning, practicality, and that Saturn brings in archetypes of time, the elder, seriousness, self-denial, aloofness, restriction, consolidation, and structure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought the yeah, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, limitation is also one that I think comes up quite strongly with Saturn, especially Saturn in its earthy place. Um, you know, what are the limitations of materiality and reality, and how does that affect your long-term planning and your ideas mm-hmm. around what's worth investing in? I think investing is another thing I would associate with Saturn and Capricorn.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: that makes me think of of time and and one of those. Issues of like, what are some of the fundamental things that all of us have, or what are we exchanging? For example, when we do work, and sometimes it gets re- reduced into things like like labor, which is an obvious one, or energy, like to whatever extent we have like energy, and we're expending energy on something. But the other and possibly like most fundamental thing is just time mm-hmm. that each of us has a, a certain finite amount of time in our lives in which we're going to be alive, and when we. Work on something, or direct our attention to something, or do work for somebody else. Part of what we're giving up is time, um, mm-hmm. and, and there's something about that I think that that ties in the Saturn element here to Capricorn.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. For sure. Capricorn is very aware of of time, mm-hmm. of the <laughs> just as an unavoidable construct, mm-hmm. but almost even taking pleasure in that. I would think, like. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of just anyone with strong Capricorn placements like enjoys things that are that are time boxed or that are constrained by time to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Um, like uh, we might get into this when we talk about how Capricorn differs from Sagittarius, but how Sagittarius loves you know freedom and the open road and just the ability to be itself and go wherever it pleases. Capricorn is a reaction to that almost prefers fewer options, um, Mm -hmm. a clear sense of like a definitive constrained amount of time to work with, um, the reaction to all of that Jupiterian um, freedom and openness Mm -hmm. I feel comes up with Capricorn.
0: That's that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot that that's actually been my jumping off point in the past several episodes, which is The corrective quality that each sign of the zodiac has that follows the previous sign of the zodiac. Um, So, that actually would be a really good thing for us to focus on here. And that's a good, um, you know, we're moving from a mutable Jupiter ruled sign and a fire sign with Sagittarius suddenly to a a cardinal sign that's an earth sign that's ruled by Saturn. So, it's almost like moving from it's almost like night and day in terms of the contrast between those two signs in some ways. And that's maybe how you start to understand Capricorn more than anything else is in some ways as a reaction to uh, some of the excesses of Sagittarius in some instances.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a very much a reality check that Capricorn brings. And I think this is even one of the ways to understand the transition of Jupiter at home in Sagittarius to being in fall in Capricorn. Um, And one of the ways that I've thought about this and even experienced this um, when Jupiter moved from Sag to Cap in the past, what was that, 2019? Oh yeah. Are that was a
0: rough transition. It was <laughs>
2: December 2019. Significant. It was very significant. <laughs> right. But yeah. you know, it's like Jupiter and Sag is just like, everything is possible. Look at all these different ways we can think about things. Like, wow, the world is so cool. Like what if we did blah, 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 blah. And then right. it reaches Capricorn and Saturn's like, all right, where's your blueprint? Where's your budget? Where are your materials? Are you ready mm-hmm. to actually put in the blood, sweat and tears? To build this castle in the sky you've been imagining this whole time you mm-hmm. know capricorn capricorn is uh, kind of asks you to put your money where your mouth is
1: mm-hmm. and an uh, inherent sacrifice mm-hmm. like ne- mm-hmm. necessary in that like sacrifice yeah. is another good saturn keyword so yeah. if you've gathered so many ideas and possibilities in sagittarius you're excited you know you're mutable fire you're going in all these different directions and like in love with life Mm -hmm. uh capricorn like the next step like you're saying is to just decide which out of all these possibilities you're actually going to focus on because Mm -hmm. you can't if you scatter your energy in too many directions you're never going to accomplish anything right so you have to give up on some of those dreams and i feel like that's part of the Jupiter and fall aspect. It's like mm-hmm. there aren't unlimited possibilities. If you actually want to accomplish something, you're going to have to narrow your focus. Absolutely. There's something about the path with
2: Capricorn. You mm. know, it's like, you know, with Sagittarius, it's like Mustangs running freely across the plains. Uh, but with Capricorn, it's like the narrow path through the mountain range. And um, if you are going to accomplish reaching the peak, you can't just splat your energy all over the place. You have to be really focused and dedicated uh, in order to really have that achievement as a feather in your cap.
1: Mm. I like that image, too, of the Mustangs running across the wild open plains and seeing them transition into the mountain goat. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen those images of the mountain goats who just climb these sheer like rock walls. bases to get yeah <laughs> just because they're so focused on getting that lick of salt right or the psychoactive moss or <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah to to each their own capricorn goal <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> which i think I like, is a good uh sorry uh-huh. go ahead Uh, I was just that little point about the psychoactive moss reminded me that uh uh, you know once we get into the stereotypes I guess of Capricorn there can be that misconception that Capricorn is always striving for something like uh whatever like climbing to the top of the corporate ladder Mm -hmm. or you know building an empire like it's very subjective you know whatever that person's chart is whatever is important to them. It, you know it could be anything, but then Capricorn placements help focus in on mm-hmm. getting to that anything, whether it's building a company or reaching your psychoactive moss on the mountaintop. right?
0: One of the contrasts I like that you brought up, Diana, was the um because we talked about this a lot in the Sag episode was just that Sagittarius was in some t- sometimes was fueled by optimism and that that was such a core component because sometimes it was necessary in order to drive them forward in order to reach their goals was this almost like unlimited capacity for optimism but also the feeling like sometimes the opposite or, or pessimism could drag them down or stop them from their almost like magical ability sometimes to manifest good luck and success just through visualizing and believing that that was possible in this almost like unlimited capacity to do that in some of the most extreme instances um, and that actually is really important because that seems like it is a core thing that changes once you get to Capricorn, is that you get um, sometimes, and one of the stereotypes is a fundamental pessimism. Um, and I think that that's true to a certain extent, but there's different ways in which sometimes that's um, a good thing actually, that the pessimism is a good thing, that's more grounded in reality and just the reality of what the world is like and what it's what's going to be necessary in order to accomplish things versus sometimes like all signs, there can be a way that that can be taken too far in a negative way where Mm -hmm. um, one of the primary keywords becomes Saturn's keyword of no, or that no, something won't happen or that the first response as opposed to to Sagittarius or even Pisces to a certain extent where the, the initial desire or impulse is to say yes to everything, the initial impulse on Saturn's part or Capricorn's part is to say no to things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And this is just making me think about how I think both Saturn and Jupiter and their respective signs are really interested in what's possible. But from the Jupiter sign perspective, it's like, what's possible? Like sparkly eyes? And from the Saturn sign perspective, it's what's actually possible, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, that realism, which can feel like pessimism when it's face to face with ungrounded optimism, but is really about like, actually, like, especially with Capricorn, actually making it happen requires you to be judicious around your uh, aspirations. Um, You know, and it's like, it's possible that it could be better than we can even imagine. And also, it's not going to happen if we don't actually have some skin in the game. So... Let's go actually move things around and do stuff rather than just dreaming about it.
1: Yeah, like Mm -hmm. the notion that our thoughts create reality is all well and good, but our actions, that cardinality of Capricorn, Mm -hmm. I think is where where that comes in, where they're Mm -hmm. like, all right, cool, Sagittarius, have fun, daydreaming, I'm Mm going to actually get to work now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sometimes reality creates reality.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel exactly. like, like I, I envisioned Capricorn turning to Sagittarius being like, "Cool story, bro." Yeah.
0: right
1: <laughs> Like, how's that going for you, bro? Yeah.:
0: <laughs> Yeah. So um, and the cardinality in the Earth, so this is the third time that we've encountered Earth, um, and in Taurus we saw it. Uh, one of the analogies was like a beautiful garden uh, with flowers and things like that. Um, which is kind of contrasted with Libra. the other Venus ruled sign as like an art gallery, like something artificial or man made and and that was more you know not organic in that way, but but Taurus being like an organic garden. Um, Virgo, uh, the analogy was more like a an apothecary or like a garden that has like a bunch of herbs that are actually useful that you can put to work for something specific, especially for healing purposes. Um, so when we get to Capricorn and the type of Earth that that represents, we've talked about, um, you know, mountain ranges, and we've talked about like uh, t- tectonic plates and things like jutting out of the ground. What are some other like Earth-related sort of keywords that might help us understand this as the third Earth sign?
2: Quarries, quarries. Quarry. So like okay. pla- place where you go to harvest actual stone so you're not like plucking that. flowers and you're not gathering for the apothecary you're getting what you need to build the building
0: nice mm-hmm. so you're finding a place where you can literally like cut stone like out of a mountain in like chunks or in cubes and then like haul it somewhere in order to make that like the foundation of like a building or a city
1: mhm yeah mm. similarly in that foundational component i think of the you know the flower garden and the apothecary are on the land that Capricorn like worked its butt off to purchase. Mm. Mm. Like That's good. Taurus and Virgo collaborated with Capricorn. Capricorn was like, "I'll get the land. You guys do your pretty stuff. We'll form the business together." It's mm. providing that structure, that focus for, you know, like the hobbies or the craft skills of Taurus and Virgo. Yeah, that you saying that was just reminding me that all soil
2: all soil is made out of dead stuff. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And s- like Saturn is the Reaper. Saturn is the end of life. But every time we have an end of life, unless you're, you know, completely pickled inside of a coffin, um, you know, your, your body returns to the earth and facilitates ongoing life. So when we're talking about Capricorn is literally the land, that's mm-hmm. also all of the dead things <laughs> mm-hmm. that have contributed to that being soil, right? It's like the active compost is Scorpio, yeah. where it's like real smelly, but the functional dirt, that would be Capricorn.
1: Mm-hmm. Functional yeah. dirt, that is Capricorn. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the compost, Another great tagline. Yeah. I like that. So the compost heap are the result of the death and recycling of things that turns it back into fertile soil that can be used mm-hmm. over in future generations.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, even just thinking about like Saturn or Kronos as historically being agricultural gods, right? Mm -hmm. And this understanding that all of the wealth comes from the the land, like all genuine wealth comes from land, whether Mm -hmm. that's the wealth of abundant crops or the wealth of like, you know, I would say mines would be another kind of Capricorn place of um, doing effort to to, um, gather up the valuable resources um, that are underground whether that's valuable because you know you need metal for your swords or your plows or whatever or valuable because it's gold and you know gold is
1: not super functional in a lot
2: of ways but it's really pretty
1: <laughs> so Yeah, Yeah. it reminds Um, me again of that contrast with Sagittarius as being the, you know, like being tied to nothing, having the freedom to go anywhere versus Capricorn investing in something tangible and then maybe having the freedom within that to create whatever you want, but through Mm -hmm. that tangible, like perhaps land-based investment. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then land also makes me think of like generational wealth and like the mm-hmm. transfer of like land ownership is was like historically like a way of a transfer of generational wealth and things like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, that remains the case, um, mm-hmm. at least inside of this particular economic structure. Um, and that also makes me think about stewardship, right? Because I think Capricorn can very much be a steward and not just an owner. Um, and so to think about the, the very long term, so not just the short term wealth creation of like flipping a house, um, or even the relatively short term of wanting to own a house so you can leave it to your kids, but the longer and larger per- picture of what does it mean to uh, be in right relationship with the land in a way that facilitates multiple, multiple generations of not just human continuance, but also the endurance and durability of ecosystems, I would say that's also very Capricornian of just like pursuing, pursuing sustainability in the deepest and broadest sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I know one of our examples for Capricorn is Greta Thunberg, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what does it mean to be investing deeply in a future you may not be alive inside of? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. That perspective of knowing that your actions and you know in your lifetime do have mm-hmm. ramifications for generations unseen. Yeah.
0: Well, and also fear, because like one of the big mm-hmm. Saturn keywords is fear, and that mm-hmm. ties into the that ties into the pessimism thing. But um, one of the things you switch to when you get out of Sagittarius and the optimism is uh, Saturn and Capricorn, and the fear of. Things that are coming in the future, or mm-hmm. fear of having a lack of something, or mm-hmm. fear of something going mm-hmm. away. Because mm-hmm. one of the things about Capricorn, and maybe we should tie this in astronomically, is in you know we're using the tropical zodiac, and most of this system was developed in the northern hemisphere, where once you get to Capricorn, you hit the winter solstice, where you have the shortest, you have the longest nights and the shortest days, where the sun has sort of gone. As far away as it possibly can, and you're in a much darker state where it seems like the night is seeming to dominate over things mm-hmm. um and it's also very cold and it's like wintry and it's snowing. you can't grow anything like all mm-hmm. of the plants have died, and it's like the middle of the winter season where things are at their most either dead or um you know hibernating, let's say in order to get through the harsh winter um so there's this real um sense of if you don't do a good job during the summer that you really are going to reap the rewards of or or the failures of that in terms of if you have enough food to get through the winter you're like doing pretty well at this point but if you didn't plan things out well or didn't do a good job of working hard during the winter or during the summer of harvesting things then you're basically like starving and like shivering during this part of the year and you're not having a very good time and once you've had that experience um, it instills like a certain amount of fear for you next time yeah. that if you mm-hmm. make the same mistake, that might happen again. So that becomes like like fear becomes a driving factor, which sometimes can be bad or other times can actually mm-hmm. be be good motivation.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's an mm-hmm. awareness of the perpetual potential of austerity that mm-hmm. Capricorn holds, and sometimes that can lead to... Choosing austerity as much as possible. So there's a minimum amount of attachment to unnecessary things. Um, like, um, an example just for myself, it's like I've never ever been interested or understood the appeal of cigarettes because there's this idea of being uh, attached in a necessary way to something that's expensive and also is going to shorten my lifespan that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, even though I can also recognize that there is quite a lot of pleasure that cigarettes can facilitate. Right. I'm just like, "Mm, I don't, I don't want to be in a position where I have no money and I really need a cigarette, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that fear can also lead to, you know, one of the Saturn words is um, greed or avarice. Right. This uh, sort of hoarding mentality of I need to get as much as possible for myself, not for any like higher ideal, but just because I'm never going to have enough. Like I just need more and more and more of this thing that might create eventually a sense of security. Mm -hmm. Um, But whenever it's not uh, addressed, as you know, whatever the underlying insecurity is, when that's not addressed, it's just like no more and more and more. It gets very scroogey. I can't be generous because I don't have enough to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that yeah. comes up with Capricorn place. I had that once with a client actually. I was going to use as an example, um, but it was a it was like a a client who had Capricorn rising and he had Saturn in Aquarius in the second whole sign house in a night chart, and um, I I gave like a little delineation of like this seems to show a focus on money but that that there may be fears or challenges surrounding this in your life and he was like he was like no that doesn't really track and i was like okay and and but he was there with his wife cuz it was they they wanted to do a consultation together and she was like no that fits you perfectly she was like you grew mm. up she was like you grew up in the great depression and mm. your family was extremely extremely poor and a common saying around the house was That's all we have, and that left such a. As she continued to explain, and then eventually got him to like open up about. um, That left such a huge imprint on his mind that he'd always been extremely careful with money and finances to the point of being, um, what what is the term for that? You just used it, uh, like. Avaricious. No, Mm -hmm. like Scrooge, like or like penny Mm -hmm. pinching, Um, Mm -hmm.
3: even eventually.
0: Stingy. That was that's one mm-hmm. of the the keywords that sometimes associate with Capricorn. Um, even once he had become successful, and even once he didn't have financial hardships, um, that still stuck with him, and he was still extremely, sort of like cheap to a certain mm-hmm. extent. Basically, is the way his wife described it. I actually saw a post on Reddit that made me think of that today. That I wanted to share really quickly because I thought it was like. Vaguely appropriate, and while I don't know anything about like any birth chart placements with these people, it sort of reminded me of that, that client and that story, um, where the title of it was, "My boyfriend is so cheap that it's literally a turn off." <laughs> and she said, um, "So everyone likes a good deal." Okay, so everyone likes a good deal around the clearance section, but this is 10 times worth. My bro- boyfriend is the cheapest person I've ever known, but what's funny is that he's extremely wealthy before you all say I'm some sort of gold, gold digger, I fell in love with him before I knew he had money. And then she goes on about, she says he always brags about how every article of clothing he has is from Goodwill and how it was only $2. Um, you can tell because his clothes are faded and ripped in some places. Um, and she just keeps going on about like this really interesting situation because eventually they had Christmas and like they gave gifts, but he gave her like this stuff he found at Goodwill. And they got in a fight about it. And I'm sure there's like different perspectives and ways that you could kind of interpret this situation um, more positively or more negatively. But it was interesting. And I wanted to explore that a little bit where that comes from, because I know that's one of the keywords that sometimes gets associated with Capricorn is a sort of stinginess, maybe partially due to fear of a lack of something. I know that Mm -hmm. that's one place it can come from, but perhaps there's like other places it can come from at the same time.
2: There's also like a self-negation quality, like almost like a pride in suffering, like a pride in doing with as little as possible that I think is really interesting. Austerity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the pride and austerity, even just this idea that, um, you know, austerity or asceticism is somehow uh, purifying in some way, which, you know, it can be, but if you fast forever, you will speed up your death, right? Um, and this is making me think about the, the quality of Capricorn as dry, right? Like this stinginess, this dryness, and it's like, whenever things desiccate, the life goes out of them, right? Like, you know, um, for some reason I'm, I'm being reminded of, um, you know, how in the dune world, um, Mm -hmm. You know, they have the still suits, which are these outfits that collect all of your sweat and other forms of liquid and then re purifies it so that you can recycle it. (laughs) Um and there's even this,
1: yes. Yeah, everyone that's just what you do
2: it. You're just like constantly recycling your water. And like water is this like super, super, super precious resource. And people who like have access to more water, they're called water fat. Right. They might not be like plump. And like are in a like um extra flesh way, but because they are properly hydrated, they're plumper <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> um, and you know the dryness of capricorn there there can there can be this sort of hesitance um or, yeah, again, even a sort of like masochistic uh pleasure in not having quite enough, like getting by with as little as possible, um, even if it would be a much more pleasant experience to let yourself mm. have actually enough rather than the barest minimum.
0: What's mm. seen as like a, almost a virtue to a certain mm-hmm. extent, mm-hmm. like yeah. that, it, that it's a virtuous to live with less and that it's um, to live with excess might be seen almost as like a sin or something, in like a religious mm-hmm. context. What it, there's like mm-hmm. a word for that, right? Like one of the seven deadly sins.
1: Gluttony. gluttony. Yeah, gluttony. yeah.
0: yeah, it,
1: yeah. Because, I mean, back to the sustainability piece. Like I think, and perhaps with folks of the you know the millennial generation with the Uranus and Neptune and Capricorn, that uh, awareness you know from a very young age of uh, like you know, the gluttony of consumerism. Mm-hmm. I think has been in the front of a lot of our minds, you know, as Mm -hmm. we've, as we've come of age. So there's, you kind of notice in the consumer trends, I guess, since we've become more, you know, in the buying power in the market, the, uh, the focus on sustainability Mm-hmm. products and whatnot is pretty huge or like mm-hmm. what are you doing are you doing your part to consume as little as possible like have you taken a vow to produce mm-hmm. no trash this yeah. year have you gone zero plastic waste. free exactly zero so waste minimalism people, minimalism yes. and zero
2: waste are very mm-hmm. Saturnian in like a Capricornian
1: way I would say yeah it's like yeah. the pleasure of knowing that you're not being part of the problem because mm-hmm. I think part of capricorn having um you know the both both malefics have dignity in capricorn so there's almost that like fear of being malefic oneself Mm. and Mm -hmm. so denying the self because you don't want to produce bad results Mm -hmm. you know you're almost working against that you have so much awareness of the maleficent uh, maleficence of life or the possible negative outcomes of your consequences Mm -hmm
0: yeah. and a lot of that has to do with the generational placement of Uranus and Neptune and sometimes Saturn and Capricorn, and the sort of idealism and mm-hmm. other things that come along with that that's very mm-hmm. specific to that subgeneration and in terms of how the they manifest the Capricorn um, mm-hmm. archetype in that way.
2: This is Just reminding true. me that like our little subgeneration doesn't have the same um, relationship with the concept of tradition as mm-hmm. people who have Capricorn placements without Uranus and Neptune also hanging out there, right? Absolutely. So, you know, tradition as another Saturn word, but also, you know, in a, it's both Aquarian and Capricornian, I would say, because tradition, you know, it creates the structure of the worldview, but mm-hmm. it also literally affects how people interact with materiality. Um, you know, it's traditional to X, Y, Z, but when you have Uranus and Neptune, it's like, is that necessary? Is that part of our ideals structure? Can we be mm-hmm. building different ways of interacting with mm-hmm. being alive? Um, yeah, is this the right
1: tradition? Is Are it these the, 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 the correct right traditions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would. I see the generation as really, you know, with Neptune and Capricorn, really craving an idealized mm-hmm. sense of tradition or like, wouldn't it be so great if we had a society that actually mm-hmm. did what it claims to do and supports you know everyone supports mm-hmm. people in meeting their basic needs right um so uranus you know kind of seeing that and knowing that things have got to change because our systems you know, aren't doing what they say they're supposed to do
2: right it's like the the structures of reality as they have existed so far have come to a kind of uh expiration date
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: But I would absolutely say like, you know, Saturn, Saturnian, Capricornian uh, propulsion absolutely includes either the perpetuation of tradition or even the creation of new traditions um, in terms of
1: how we're interacting with incarnate reality. Mm -hmm. And even the desire to look back, I think, Mm -hmm. to... um Older traditions, you know, to those of us who try to understand the traditions of uh, the indigenous people, uh, Mm -hmm. the traditional custodians of our land, or Mm -hmm. perhaps our ties to indigenous ancestors, like examples of human populations who were sustainable, who were able to perpetuate their culture for tens of thousands of years, and identifying what is it about those societies. Uh, that we mm-hmm. could perhaps you know, re reincorporate or reimagine as we try mm-hmm. to make our own current social structure uh, capable of lasting beyond you know the next ten years. Yeah, absolutely. That makes,
0: makes me think of con- keywords like like elders. Um- and also hierarchical structures in terms of like having somebody that's older and wiser and then passing that down to somebody mm-hmm. as part of the generational transfer of wealth, mm. not just through financial things, but all through, also through the accumulation of knowledge and wisdom.
2: Yeah. Ancestry, mm-hmm. honestly, is mm-hmm. another thing that I would associate with both Saturn and Capricorn, especially Capricorn understanding that like our literal physical bodies are made of our ancestors, you know, it's like our DNA comes from the literal physical bodies of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um and then with ideas around us like the land quite literally being our ancestor, in that every single thing that we eat um has attachments to the land ultimately. And then those component parts make up our literal physical forms. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like the peach that I ate in August is one of my ancestors. And mm-hmm. its ancestor is the land and that like the land that that particular peach tree grew on. And then its ancestors includes every single dead thing
1: that contributed nutrients to that soil. It makes me think of the tie-in with uh, Venus ruling one of the other Earth signs of Taurus. Mm-hmm. And Venus is aware of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like the pleasure of the having a physical form, having a physical body, whereas the Saturn mm-hmm. ruled Earth sign is aware of like you're saying kind of like the legacy of relationships Mm -hmm. the long-lasting impacts of evolution or of (laughs) what we, yeah the work that we put in you know a year ago in order to grow a peach tree so that we Mm -hmm. might enjoy it now in the present moment yeah totally
3: Mm -hmm.
2: which reminds me actually of one of my favorite little sayings um, which feels very Capricornian. It's like the best time to plant a fruit tree is 40 years ago. Yeah. And the next best <laughs> time is now. This exactly. awareness that the best fruits come from mature trees, which means that you need to have patience and foresight in order to fully benefit um, from the labor that's put in.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: That reminds me of the sort of the the more malefic quality of Saturn ruling Capricorn is that uh, you know regret. Maybe regarding mm. time, mm-hmm. regarding effort not well spent. Just you know um there's a lot of like self flagellation that can go along mm-hmm. with Capricorn, especially in um you might you know, in a night chart perhaps where Capricorn is the the more malefic malefic mm-hmm. where yeah, the the regret or the depression, the um you know, just not ever being able to meet those standards of achievement mm-hmm. that Saturn might hope for with Capricorn right that's
0: re- that's really important having high standards is a huge Saturn thing and a huge Capricorn thing and I I've been trying to understand this over the past decade it's been a, a thing I've been fascinated by that part of it because one of the things I've seen is like a superpower for Saturn and for Capricorn people sometimes or people with heavy Capricorn placements Is the ability to see what's what's wrong with something, or to see the negative things in Mm -hmm. something, and like the weaknesses, um, which can make them really excellent critics of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. sometimes that criticism, which most often is visibly seen being projected outwards onto other things and other people, so that they're they're able to like similarly to Virgo in that way, like Virgo is able to see, you know, the the microscopic um, details and. Issues like they're very Virgo can be, for example, very good at like proofreading a text and then just like seeing typos in it that other people might miss. Capricorn has a similar ability to do things, but to see the larger the larger cracks Mm -hmm. um, in larger structures and the problems with them and the way that it could have been done better. Uh, But one of the problems is that sometimes that criticism, just as much as it's um, projected outwards and externally. It's also projected internally as a as a self criticism, Mm -hmm. and sometimes one of the downsides with that can be um, inaction or an inability to do anything because it's not good enough or it doesn't meet up to their very high expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes people with that those placements can, when they do produce something, it can take a while, but it will be of the highest quality because they do their their very best job, not having any um problems or errors or cracks in it. But other times when that that tendency malfunctions, part of the malfunction is an inability to finish things or get things done um, because it's never quite good enough for them mm-hmm. to like let it go and, and release it and finish that. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Absolutely. The awareness of fault lines, you know, if we're going to keep with the tectonic plate metaphors um, absolutely as a Capricorn quality, like I can see where the foundation is not going to be strong enough here, or it's like, it's good enough for now, but we are building in a place that has earthquakes. And so maybe we shouldn't build anything at all because in, you know, at some point in mm. the next 500 years, it's going to get destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. you know, almost too long of a vision, um, or like mm-hmm. too, too long of a timeline getting incorporated into pretty immediate decision making. Um, you know that awareness of consequences um, can be
1: quite uh, paralyzing. Yeah, like the stagnation component of Saturn. Mm-hmm. You know, Saturn mm-hmm. representing things that that can't, like you can't move forward, you can't move mm-hmm. past this line. I think that can really come in for Capricorn placements, like when they have set their expectations too high, mm-hmm. almost like mm. not being aware of their own limitations, like when it comes mm-hmm. to like personal finances or personal mental health or even like physical ability um a capricorn placement might be trying to achieve something that is beyond the limitations of their you know their real reality mm-hmm. so that can be yeah, debilitating because you never are able to reach that goal so it's almost like a, a process for capricorns over their lifetime to like find those boundaries like you're saying Mm -hmm. like find those tectonic um edges of Mm -hmm. like where's that sweet spot of like what I'm capable of doing and what I I want to do
3: and Mm -hmm. yeah there's
2: also something about resourcing with that of Mm -hmm. just like I should be able to do it with uh you know a quarter of a tank of gas I don't need to buy gas Mm -hmm. right I don't need to spend money (laughs) or Mm -hmm. I don't need to uh, receive help or mm-hmm. those sorts of things. Like I think that's one yeah. of the limitations that I've witnessed uh, Capricorn come up against quite a lot, mm-hmm. especially, you know, throughout um, throughout like the time of everybody with Saturn and Capricorn going through their Saturn returns
3: mm-hmm. and
2: observing a lot of that of just, you know, it's like you hit a wall, not because that wall is permanent, but because you don't have the appropriate tools or resourcing to get over the wall. So if mm-hmm. you give yourself the resources you need, you can get over the wall. And then there's a resistance to receiving or gathering those resources because it hasn't been earned, quote unquote, yet. Mm, you know, earning right. earning is a very Capricorn thing. I have to earn what, X, Y, Z. And if I don't perceive myself to have earned it, then I don't deserve it, even though whatever it is, is actually exactly what you need to push past the limitations you're experiencing.
1: Yeah, Capricorn's very allergic to entitlement. Uh huh. Yeah.
3: yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: And that also yeah. that feels resonant in terms of like once we look at the relationship between Capricorn and Cancer, mm-hmm. just that Capricorn placements reaching that limitation to where they do have to finally reach across the aisle and ask mm-hmm. for someone with help, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of some of the, the aspects of the project, like calling in. Calling in the moon, perhaps, to take care yeah. of their physical self. Um. Ooh, I'm being reminded.
2: I'm being reminded. So in the Thomas Taylor translation of the Orphic hymn to Saturn, chronos, whatever, um, the word obstetric or the phrase obstetric nature gets used. Um, mm. which is reflected in the original Greek, but whatever. It's not I don't speak Greek. So what does that word mean? I don't obstetric, speak. Obstetric. Obstetric nature. So it's like obstetric, like of obstetrics, like an OBGYN, an obstetrics mm-hmm. doctor is somebody like who facilitates birthing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like bringing things into the world. And one of the things that I, I was just reminded of, especially with the Capricorn Cancer Axis, is um, whenever people are pregnant, if they aren't consuming enough um, nutrients for both their gestating child and their own personal body, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on out there, Um, but, you know, it's like they need to be consuming enough minerals and vitamins and macronutrients and things like that for both them and their child. If they aren't consuming enough, like fats and minerals and things like that for both of them, the body prioritizes growing, the, growing their child, which means that that can lead to like, um, like perinatal uh, osteoporosis and like neurological degeneration and things like that and so there's a very tidy metaphor for capricornian types of just prioritizing so much what is being built that there is a forgetting of the necessity of resourcing the self as the one doing the building.
3: Mhm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like there's that alienation from the mm-hmm. self or from the body. Think of because yeah. of capricorn being opposite to cancer, which mm-hmm. is, you know, most the moon representing the body it's like as Mm -hmm. far as you as far as far away as you can get from the needs of the body and the needs of the emotions like the needs of that uh of the The animal
2: the animal softness yeah exactly but also that's very frequently entirely what's necessary to not just uh self-sacrifice on the altar of your legacy but participate
1: in your legacy Mm-hmm. Yeah, get down into your body and into your relationships or mm-hmm. almost like who are you, who are you doing all of this for? Mm-hmm. Like if Capricorn is working towards something but is completely alone on their mountaintop, it's, you yeah, know, depending on the person, they might be into that. But often there is that craving for cancer to have mm-hmm. like some help, hu- some family, some people that you love that you can share your accomplishments with.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who Maybe is the legacy would... for?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe this would be a good time to share the, um, the contrast that Camille came up with for Cancer versus Capricorn. Um, so I don't have a very good diagram for this, but let me just share the table from our written document. So these, these are the cr- contrasts, like a table for those listening to audio version of two columns. And we're going to compare Capricorn on the left and cancer on the right. So Capricorn' keyword is dry, and that's opposite to cancer's keyword of wet, being an earth sign versus a water sign. Capricorn is the mentor versus cancer is the mother. Capricorn is the world versus cancer is the womb. Capricorn is earthly intelligence, whereas cancer' is emotional intelligence. Capricorn is to reason. Cancer is to intuit. Capricorn is firm, whereas Cancer is gentle. Uh, Capricorn is blood, sweat, and Cancer is the tears. Uh, Capricorn is to deny oneself versus Cancer is to care for oneself. Capricorn is hard work versus Cancer is heart work. And uh, Capricorn is the provider versus Cancer as the protector.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, So a lot of good keywords there that tie into what you were both just saying
1: Mm -hmm. that really points out sort of i mean there's this sort of archetypal or stereotypical like mommy daddy association with cancer and with capricorn whereas cancer is the archetypal mother is keeping its you know loved ones close to itself or even keeping itself you know close and contained and protected like nurtured and shielded Whereas Capricorn is, you know, out there earning the bread for the mm-hmm. family, or Capricorn is uh, taking the children out of the nest and showing them, like, here's what you're actually going to have to deal with in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time to, you know, it's time to grow up and face the music. Like, it's, you have to leave the nest sometime. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that actually reminds me quite directly of... um the Like the image for Capricorn, like the mergoat, right? And some of the stories that get associated with that and this idea mm-hmm. of like, you can't just stay in the ocean.
1: You actually mm-hmm. do have to come onto land.
3: hmm hmm
1: I like that one story that I was reading though too about kind of the pain of of Capricorn, mm-hmm. like where the the mergoat has, uh, Pricus has mm-hmm. lost his children because they were all you know, intelligent Magical sea goats, but then his children eventually wandered onto the shores and basked in the sun and realized, you know, lost their ability to relate to him. Mm -hmm. And so, in this story, the Pricus has the ability to turn back time. So, Mm -hmm. he tries to turn back time so that he can prevent his children from leaving the sea and like leaving him all alone. But then he eventually gives up and realizes that. There's no way to prevent this from happening. He is ultimately alone.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It um, <laughs> makes me think of and, and brings up a lot of what you're both saying right now, just that part of the interesting dynamic of the parents um, in astrology and the general signif- general planetary significators of the parents that you you sometimes default to like the Sun representing the father figure versus the moon representing the mother figure, but also in traditional astrology. Uh, there were other alternative significators which was Saturn and Venus. Um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting thinking about like the differences between the Sun as the archetype for the father versus the, versus Saturn as, as part of the archetype for the father or the different ways in which... The role of that sort of fatherly or parental role can manifest sometimes in the Saturn or the Capricorn archetype.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's interesting is I really, um, I personally resonate much more with Saturn as more of a grandmotherly figure, Mm -hmm. right? So still not a direct uh, gestating parent, Um, like still in this sort of like external, like um, of the world. There's like kind of like a worldly knowledge, there's like a wisdom component. Mm -hmm there. Um, and the guidance around what does it mean to mature? What does it mean to grow up is a little bit more distant in the same way that I think in a lot of the sort of binary ideas about father and mother, it's like mother is at home and like close with the children and father is out in the world. Like, you know, there's that same sort of element with the grandmother. It's like the grandmother is a step removed from direct, uh, interaction with the baby, but is still a factor in um, helping that baby become an adult. Um, and there's a there's very much something about um, like Saturn as the one with external world capital E experience that might be a buzzkill a lot of the time, but it's a buzzkill that comes from experience, not just from um, like. Uh, protectiveness or something like that.
0: Mm. Yeah, the notion of there being some distance or coldness sometimes to that archetype seems important lo- though, because it seems like there's some kind of recurring theme that, there. And while that can be warmed up, sometimes just the notion that there's like a, a coldness or a distance to it or, or an absence of some way um, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. kind of interesting in, in both the grandmother-type ar- uh, archetype as well as uh, f- you know distant father-type archetype.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in looking at perhaps the difference between the sun as the father versus Saturn as the father, you could see the sun as sort of like the idealized father. So if you're, uh, or, you know, paternal figure as someone that you would look up to and admire and think like, wow, I want to be just like him. Or, you know, in one's personal chart, looking at the sun as perhaps how you've inherited, you know, you know, for better or for worse, traits of the father. Uh, whereas Saturn could almost be like the absence of the father, or what mm. do you do once the father is gone or no longer, you know, say as you become older and the father isn't someone who uh, you is that like, you know, the shiny solar symbol anymore. How are mm. you taking care of yourself or how are you uh, meeting the needs that the archetypal mm. father? would have met uh, earlier in life.
2: There's also something about Saturn as the provider of the structures. Mm -hmm. And a lot of time the structures of our life are the easiest things to take for granted. They don't necessarily feel directly like expressions of care or love, even if they are necessary for a continuance, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, you might not see the money coming into the bank account that buys the groceries. What you see is the groceries made into a meal on the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Um, and they so really look- might
1: not even see the parent who's out there like earning the money. Mm-hmm. like they have to yeah. be absent away from the home oftentimes in order to uh, to do that to br- exactly yeah. to bring that's home really- the bacon, you have to be out in
2: the field all the time, exactly.
0: that's really important because you know, without even getting into you gender roles and things like that, um there's sometimes. The experience of one of the parents that is more of the harsh or or the hard ass type, you know, figure that that set the rules or that mm-hmm. went out and got the money and supported the family, even if they were then absent and therefore weren't able to play what was immediately experienced maybe early mm-hmm. on as the as the um, nurturing role. Mm-hmm. Um, but their nurturing was through like supporting the family or something like that. Um, while we often have. Like recurring themes of that that are associated with the father, maybe previously, that's something that easily can manifest in either parent figure. Like those types of dynamics, it seems like at this point in time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, structurally present, but not emotionally available.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Cancer is there being emotionally available, being you know on call for meeting mm-hmm. those those uh, immediate emotional and physical needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that's where we run into the moon having its being opposite to its domicile in Capricorn and, and why mm-hmm. that's sometimes associated as a challenging placement or, or one that at least is contrary to the moon because um, in Capricorn, maybe there's a, a, a coldness or an emotional coldness to a certain extent or a distance that's different than um, what, what the moon in Cancer is like or what its immediate impulse would be. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, and what's interesting too is to think about how that distance can also be experienced as spaciousness depending mm-hmm. on the circumstances and depending on like the dynamics of the people involved, right? So it's like Saturn gives you room. Mm-hmm. It might not be room that you want mm-hmm. sometimes, right? It's like you're just, you know, you're absent and it's like, well, no, you have all this room to do your to become yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. But when it there there can be the that combination feeling of like I wouldn't become have become who I am if I'd been coddled. Right. And also yeah. it probably could have been nice to have more hugs
1: like mm. yeah, you need both. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be totally out in the cold, mm-hmm. you know, defenseless and alone just right. like so, how, you know the reason why infants cry, mm-hmm. you know they they're feeling that that lack of mm-hmm. uh, you know the feeling alone, they're feeling like ah, you know the, like a Capricorn Mm-hmm. experience like i'm not ready to be out there taking care of myself like i still need nurturing and support and protection
2: yeah it's it, like this is reminding me of saturn as uh saturn and capricorn like capricorn as the winter solstice point right mm-hmm. like that's when we enter capricorn season which is initiating the return of the sun right it's mm-hmm. initiating this like coming back of light. Um. And initiation experiences, like being pushed through a threshold, that mm-hmm. often happens when you don't necessarily feel prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also where you get the MacGyver resourcing capacity, right? Like, there's very much a MacGyver quality to Capricorn, of like, I'm going to make do with the materials that I have here available to me right. um, as best I can. Even if that's not my, I, like, I would rather have the easy way. <laughs> maybe, but instead right. what I have to do is figure out how to just deal with this. And so even just thinking about, um, you know, certain initiation experiences of like, you know, you're out in the wilderness by yourself for three days. Hope you'll survive kid. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just like, but there's something about that that is very maturing, uh, mm-hmm. in significant ways and that you can't replicate if you're having your hand held the entire time.
1: It's like a yeah. training montage in a kung mm-hmm. fu movie, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, oh, kid, kid, you want to be the best? <laughs> it's time to start climbing those, you know, thousand mm-hmm. staircases, balancing the water buckets on Ooh. your back, and all of that.
2: <laughs> mastery, mastery is yes. another Saturn and Capricorn word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a really good mm-hmm. one.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: ties back into the 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 desire to achieve the highest and to, and to have. The ability to see when things are not good and wanting to um, surpass that and wanting Mm -hmm. to like get to the top of something and that would be a good keyword for that is mastery.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why not do it the best that it can be? Mm -hmm. Almost.
0: Yeah. So that, uh, and and then that then ties back into the the whole. um, Then sometimes. Inability because I had a, a teacher, Robert Schmidt, who had uh, three planets in Capricorn and he would produce very high quality translations, but he got paralyzed sometimes in not putting out work and translations because he always wanted it to be the best. And that sometimes made it so he couldn't accomplish as much as he wanted to just because it, it held him back, not being able to just put out what he had at the time. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's something as a Capricorn. Mars and Jupiter that I've had to learn by observing that in different people. For example, in 2017, when I started, uh, I'd done the audio podcast for five years of just like audio since 2012, and then in 2017, I wanted to get into doing video, and I tried to plan out some of it ahead of time, like with the podcast, where I I planned things like my um, structure of episodes, and you can see in like the very first episode, I had very grand plans for what I wanted to do in the podcast. Um, But then when I started doing video versions, I realized I had to learn this whole new thing of doing Mm -hmm. video and getting the lighting right and shooting the audio at the same time and all this stuff. But there was a way in which I researched it as much as I could, but I realized I had to just start doing it because there's some things that you can only learn by doing them and by making mistakes Mm -hmm. and through trial and error. So I would like record a video, look at it, It would look and sound terrible, but then I would learn something from it like each time. And each time I would put out a new video every few days and look at it and see what was wrong with it and then try to fix just one thing each time. And in doing that, it made it manageable. So that eventually it built up until I had like a heap of all these videos and I could see my progress and you can track Mm -hmm. my progress. I don't recommend. So you can look back at the astrology podcast from like 2017. I don't recommend it because there's some very poorly shot videos from that time period if you want to mm-hmm. want to laugh at at that, but it's all um, old
1: timey and black and white with, uh, <laughs> with Yeah, like exactly. Stop motion.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's just like funny things. Like they'll be um albeit like the bottom of my head. my head will be in the middle of the screen, but there'll be like 10 feet of just like feet above my of of space above my head. <laughs> and so a friend a friend who shot video was like yeah your head should be closer to the top of the frame and there's just like little things like that you don't think of until you do them but it's like the alternative is to just become paralyzed by trying to anticipate and plan out all these things that are unknowable mm-hmm. until you've actually like tried to do it so that mm-hmm. whole trial and error thing is very important is very i think that's yeah it's tied in with a lot of different things related to capricorn and the different dignity schemes and that may be one of the reasons why Mars, I think, is said to do well there with its exaltation, because I think that gives it more of a push sometimes to just like just do it and just take the action and then learn from the mistake, as mm-hmm. opposed to being crippled by um, by trying to plan everything out ahead of time.
1: Mm-hmm. It feels like it speaks to the you know the square or the relationship between Capricorn and Aries. Like, obviously, when you're saying just do it, there's such an Aries vibe to that mm-hmm. and the the ways in which, um, you know, Aries almost, I guess Aries benefits from Capricorn, but Capricorn also benefits from Aries. So sort of the way that they push on, push each other mm-hmm. with that, the drive to just make something happen is very Aries, but then the drive to maybe continue to refine that something rather mm-hmm. than just... Like, oh, I did this thing and I wasn't good at it. Like, I shot my video and it looked like crap, so forget it. I'm on to the next interest. The Capricorn, I think that's part of why Mars, it yeah, gets that exaltation because Mars stops, you know, shooting itself into new directions all the time. And instead mm-hmm. keeps that, like, gung-ho mm-hmm. energy to just like, no, I'm going to do better next time. I'm going to do better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: There's also something about Capricorn providing Mars with stuff to do, right? So it's not just like focusing Mars. It's also like, okay, um, I need uh, these stones cut. Here's a pile of rocks and some sharp stuff to play with. Like go do the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's also something about how Mars warms up Capricorn, right? Mm -hmm. Or like Capricorn cools down Mars enough for Mars to be functional, but Capricorn is in turn warmed up by the experience of Mars being present there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just the like confidence even-
1: that Mars lends mm-hmm. as well, maybe as part of the heat. Yeah, because Mars just. Fucking loves winning. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, you know, I've got this grand vision and I'm gonna just make it happen. Yeah. It's like like let's fucking go, man. You know, just like untouchable. (laughs) That 30 year vision, let's do it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Mars loves the competition and the drive. Mm -hmm. Um, and can be the very much like, you know, shoot first, ask questions later or the first into the breach but saturn and capricorn gives it like that structure that long-term mm-hmm. structure that can help with success and help to guide mars to be more successful than it might be otherwise just shooting from the hip
1: absolutely i think it allows mars to accept feedback too like mars mm-hmm. is less uh pointy you know being in a receptive sign and being in a sign that wants to uh you know reach that that high expectation so well, mars and capricorn maybe finds that like oh i did something wrong and is able to maybe take that in I mm-hmm. be like okay so i don't want to miss the mark next time mm-hmm. uh, so thank you for the constructive criticism i'm going to you know next time i'm going to do it even more effectively
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah for sure
1: also just capricorn loves critical feedback
2: <laughs> as long as it's applicable True. It needs to be pragmatic
1: feedback mm-hmm. and not amorphous feedback. Yes, and as long as it hasn't already thought of it itself, right? Then, oh no, no, no! Believe me, I know what what went wrong. I am aware of all of the all of the fault lines. I yes. don't need your
2: observations about the fault lines, but if your observation mm-hmm. is you know helps with the fault line, I guess that's
1: yeah, fine. It's actually <laughs> constructive. I haven't mm-hmm. thought of it before. Then absolutely. <laughs>
0: And I don't know if mm-hmm. this was—it was kind of a, like an arrogant thing that came out like a month or two ago. But there was somebody who was like, "I don't accept criticism from anybody that's doing worse than I'm doing." And
3: mm-hmm. That struck me as kind of
0: like a little Capricorny sort of keyword mm-hmm. at the time as well. Not that that's always going to be the recurring part of the archetype, or everyone's going to have that attitude. But mm-hmm. I could see some versions of the archetype that would have that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like if you aren't where I want to go, why would I listen
1: to you? Um, yeah. Very Can, much like
2: you're not a role model for me, right? Right, and it's also interesting to think about how that often um, contributes to that also asceticism dynamic with Capricorn, where it's just like the rejection of things that would be very nourishing because it's not immediately uh,
1: apparent to the Capricorn placement why it would be useful.
3: Mm, Right, it's just like
1: cardinal sign. Especially, Mm -hmm. it's like I'm in I'm in progress. I'm working on something. Is this relevant to what I'm working on right now? There's almost like this
2: blinders thing of just like that's the direction that I'm going in. Everything else is a distraction, Mm
0: -hmm. even if the
2: other stuff is not actually a distraction. It's like you need to fix your wheel, and it's just like no, I'm moving in this direction, and I don't. You're not going where I'm going, so why am I listening to you? And it's just like bro, your wheel's gonna fall off. Like I don't need to be going where you're going to be able to see that your wheel is gonna fall off.
1: Hmm. So yeah, that's almost like where where the limitations of Capricorn. How can it benefit from Mm -hmm. yeah the input of some of the other signs? Um, Yeah. That is reminding me of just like the hermit archetype, you know, with Saturn having its joy in the Mm twelfth. Like, so Saturn Saturnian types just having their joy and like a a locked room somewhere Mm -hmm. where isolation not exactly (laughs) isolation as a relief rather than a punishment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because of the there's just less to less to manage, almost like Mm -hmm. that distance again from cancer, which can be so busy meeting other people's needs or meeting Mm -hmm. emotional needs that if Capricorn can distance itself from cancer, be like, all right, no distractions, no one else's Mm -hmm. needs, Mm -hmm. just the work that needs to get done right now Mm -hmm. Mm, but then you're right like when isolating itself Capricorn can miss out on like the benefit of Mm -hmm. input from other people who have the you know the perspective that Mm -hmm. they might be taking a blind eye to can't see your own ass without a mirror gotta that's Mm. why uh, Leo is an aversion to Capricorn yeah that's that's a good one um, yeah, um, I'm just, go ahead go ahead now you go.
0: No, it's going to be a transition away, so you should see no what that's you
1: want. that's what I was hoping for too. I was like, I think we need to get back to the structure <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't have structure necessarily. we should take a break soon, but I did want to mention really quickly one chart example I had, which is always one of my favorite mm-hmm. chart examples of a this is a uh, J. Paul Getty who had Capricorn rising and Saturn exalted in uh, Libra in the tenth whole sign house, with Saturn ruling not just the ascendant but also the second house of finances. And in like the 1950s, he was like an oil baron who, in the 1950s, he was the richest man in the world. But he was like a famous workaholic, and he was just like work all the time. And he was also famously um, kind of uh, stingy to a certain extent um for example uh, wikipedia has this little sentence at the very top where it says despite his vast wealth getty was famously frugal notably negotiating his grandson's kidnapping ransom in 1973 which is that basically his grandson was like kidnapped but he like famously like refused to pay the ransom and was like no i'm not going to pay that and it was always one of my favorite <laughs> um examples so brutal. yeah it's very not brutal. a good deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, can I get a coupon on that? Can we bring that price down? Or like trying to like negotiate? And I think it was actually terrible because I think they like ended up cutting off his like, grandson's like ear or something like that. Oh, like no, something. It, it was like real bad. So it's like funny, but also there can be really extreme versions of that mm-hmm. and a, of that tendency um, of Saturn sometimes to withhold or or Capricorn to or like withhold things or hang on to things like so much. That's obviously a super extreme example, but um, frugal frugal is a good keyword that I don't think we've used yet as a better, softer term for that the the Mm -hmm. financial part of that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like stingy on the downside, frugal on the
2: on the upside. On the upside, and there's so many variations of that. So you know, I think about um, there's this. I forget who first said it, but it's just like we're too poor to buy cheap shoes you know, this idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, frugal isn't just about buying the cheapest thing. That's like stinginess. Stinginess is what's the cheapest possible. Frugality Mm -hmm. includes the considerations of the long-term, right? So, it's Mm -hmm. like you save up your money, you buy the highest quality pair of shoes that you can afford that also, um, you know, has the most broad usefulness, and you take it to the cobbler to get them repaired and you know, you replace the shoelaces when they break, all of that kind of thing. It's like over the lifespan of that pair of shoes, you're going to have spent much less money than if you just bought the cheapest pair possible that falls apart immediately, and then you have to replace them mm-hmm. constantly, yeah, by the um, thing that
0: will by the thing that will last
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by the thing that you can that lasts by the thing that you can repair, um you know, by the thing that once it's no longer repairable, you can recycle into a different use, right? So it's like, you buy the high quality linen shirt and you wear it to death and you repair it to death and eventually that becomes your rags and you use that to clean your house. Um, and eventually the rags are too raggedy, so you put them in the compost heap because you bought a natural fiber that will decompose in your compost heap. Um, mm-hmm. You know that's the that's the long form positive variation of Saturnian frug- frugality. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: almost like a long term cycle too. Like mm-hmm. thinking of the moon is rolling the short term cycles and mm-hmm. so it's opposite saturn is more like for yeah I, can i see the logical conclusion of mm-hmm. of everything but of yeah. yeah of any particular item what yeah. is the full it like what often what's its life in time cycle of,
2: and exactly. then and then the death cycle too like if you can mm-hmm. if you can mm-hmm. own a particular object from start to finish and beyond like mm-hmm. That's a really,
1: that's a Capricornian experience, I would say. Totally. And definitely the pleasure in in making things last, like taking Mm -hmm. small, like the tiniest bits of resources and then stretching Mm -hmm. them as Mm -hmm. far as they can go. Like my husband loves to tell a story of like the first road trip we took together where I had like not finished a cucumber or something like that. (laughs) Like I had maybe three slices of cucumber left in my little snack bag. And he's just like, and you saved them. You saved them for later. And then later on that day, like you pulled out the three slices of cucumber and it was great. Like we really, like we enjoyed that snack at that time. Mm -hmm. And I go, that's right. Always. Always Always save save your leftover snacks. Like, come on. You got to get the tiny
2: Tupperware so that you can save the like two tablespoons of salad dressing because you will eat it later.
1: Exactly. You will use it later. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's funny. Um so that gets into so prolonging the life of something mm-hmm. gets into another uh, aspect of the Capricorn archetype that often is brought up which is the um the idea of like aging in reverse sometimes or like those who are born very old or or mm-hmm. exhibit traits that we might o- associate with somebody that's older or more serious than their age like relatively young um versus somebody that that almost seems to get younger or to age really well, to age in reverse in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Camille wrote in the notes that Capricorn can be inflexible, rigid, and can take life a bit too seriously. Although it's said that with time and age, Capricorn energy ferments, gets looser, more childlike, uh, the Benjamin Button syndrome. Not always guaranteed, but it implies that the early life of Capricorn may be more responsibility heavy. Um, but that, that is certainly something with just, just Saturn in general, that Saturn does tend to get better with age.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything that gets better with age is Saturnian.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a Saturnian quality. And I can say that for myself, um, people thought that I was a solid four to five years older than I was until I hit like 26 or so. And mm-hmm. then people got closer when I hit my Saturn return, people were pretty good at guessing how old I was. And now people think I'm younger than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Also, I had crow's feet when I was like 24 and they went away.
1: Interesting. So, the blessing Venus in the first. I
2: mean, yeah, it's like dignified Saturn in the first and dignified Venus in the first, plus like uh, a well thought out and sustainable skincare regimen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Like, we're doing the slow mo, elegant aging rather than like the, um, easy answer like you know botox or whatever people might do it's like i don't mm-hmm. want the easy answer i want the thing that i can do at home for a minimal amount of money one of my tools is a gua sha which is a stone tool for ensuring that the health of your connective tissue connective tissue is saturnian and your skin skin is saturnian
1: is durable saturnian it's beautiful i love <laughs> I like it that. Yeah, that feels like it kind of ties into the relationship with Libra, where Mm -hmm. like, you know, what are the things that Capricorn and Libra share in common and where do they differ Mm -hmm. and Saturn having its exaltation in Libra. Like there's there's this ridiculous amount of like discipline and determination Mm -hmm. that goes into high Libra ideals of, you know, like the the beauty uh mm-hmm. you know, in order to attain perfected beauty one must have mm-hmm. a disciplined skin care mm-hmm. routine for instance <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah you're doing the like Patrick Bateman like skincare routine at the <laughs> at the beginning of each day.
2: It's not that. It's not that. <laughs> it's not not that bad. Okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, going back to the age thing though, because that brings up a one of my chart examples, which is I think of um like Tiger Woods and just mm. you know he had uh, Vir- has Virgo rising and Mercury in Capricorn in the fifth house along with the Sun in a, obviously in a night chart and um you know it's in the fifth house of like games but he literally like grew up playing you can see these videos of him just being super young and being taught him taught golf by his dad and just like from a very early age like playing that game over and over again and developing a mastery of it but also in that maybe not having as much of a childhood or not having the mm-hmm. same sort of childhood that other people his age had because he was taking this this game, which became, you know, I guess his life's work, much more seriously. Um, that's, I think, a good image for Capricorn in terms mm-hmm. of that, like reverse aging thing, or that being older than your years, or, or sometimes wiser beyond your years.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. one thing yeah. that is very consistent in my client sessions with, um, especially Cap risings, but Aquarius risings to a degree as well is the um, experience in childhood of having to be an adult, right? Not necessarily choosing to be an adult, but being kind of forced into uh, precocious levels of maturity. Um, and then once they are actually in adulthood, um, like there's very consistently, like people will have a light bulb moment of like, oh, I'm not responsible for anyone except myself. And so that means I can do what I want. Mm-hmm. Instead so much of easier. do what I have to do. Right. Yeah. Like for me, it was the moment where I was just like, oh, I'm a grown up. I can have brownies and wine for dinner whenever I want. (laughs) Right. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever, whatever that might be, it's just like this sort of um, recognition that you don't have like your entire household's like, uh, you know, stability on your shoulders anymore because you don't live there anymore.
3: Mm hmm. So you can
2: it's do almost what you
1: important to have that experience of of mm-hmm. uh, being alone or being on your own. Almost mm-hmm. like you can imagine some Capricorn experiences where you might transition from being a you know a serious child with a lot of responsibility straight into being you know a serious young adult with a lot of responsibility. And mm-hmm. so, do you give yourself the chance to have some you know enough alone time to kind mm-hmm. of sort out your priorities and your responsibilities? Or does it take until, you know, maybe the first Saturn return? Or the second
2: Saturn return for some folks.
1: Exactly. And perhaps in that Saturnian way, something is taken away from you or you're denied something, something Mm -hmm. falls apart, and then you maybe realize, like, is XYZ worth the effort that you've been putting into into it? Mm
2: -hmm. I feel like people who really, really, really love retirement you know, who just go all out like hardcore, basically, you know, uh, partying at the, um, oh man, what's that restaurant tra- chain? Um, oh man, it's like a restaurant chain for people who really liked this specific singer. I'm not going to remember what remember oh. it right now, but it's, you know what I'm talking
1: about? I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, Mark, <laughs> like, mar- like Margaritaville. Yeah, Margaritaville, like, right? Yeah, yeah J- it's just like Jimmy the
2: Buffett. Jimmy something. Buffett, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like they're going all out at the Margaritaville. Like, <laughs> you know, they're they're in their retirement communities having their wild parties. Like that is such a good example of like that Saturnian Benjamin Button syndrome, where it's just like we were the serious adults who fulfilled our responsibilities. Our kids have left the nest; they have their own lives. We don't like, we retired from the company, like we have our pensions, whatever, and now we're just going to have the time of our lives before we're done being alive. Right. That Mm -hmm. would be like the second Saturn return version of the Benjamin Button
0: experience,
2: I would say. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And being able to reap the rewards from having, you know, put away money or done stuff Mm -hmm. earlier to be in like a good position later on. Mm
1: -hmm. Although,
0: even, I mean, there's some people, though, when I think about Capricorn, that are the people, the perpetual. People that keep working even into old Mm -hmm. age, like I'm looking at some of my my private files right now, and just like people who work is what they love doing, or that they they've always worked so that it's something they continue to do even relatively late in life um, Mm -hmm. to keep focusing on that.
2: Yeah, it's like either Mm -hmm. completely leaving work behind and being a kid, or uh, you know, my work is my life, so why would I retire?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And almost like identifying that or finding their identity in that to some extent.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, that cardinality, yeah. again, just like needing to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is a big factor. I'm it. reminded of my grandmother, who's
2: a very solid Capricorn, um, who after she retired was just volunteering all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like mm-hmm. all the time. It's only now, like in her l- very late 80s, that she's calmed down with the. Having somewhere to go almost every
1: day,
3: mm-hmm. okay.
1: Because it's sort of that relationship again with with Virgo of like like usefulness, like needing mm-hmm. to be useful. Um, maybe like having a little bit of that fear of idle time, or mm-hmm. just having an awareness of all of the possible effects that one's actions could have, so mm-hmm. that like I'm not going to rest because like I could be using my time and energy to do. Yeah. To, right. to help other people, or yeah, to serve, or something. I don't want to waste my time. Yeah, definitely.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> every, every good Capricorn is just like the thought oh, of no. wasted time makes them puke in their mouth.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Especially if somebody that- else is wasting our time. If we waste our own time, we'll flagellate ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. But if somebody else wastes our time, that's it's <clears> just time <throat> to walk away.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. Although I will yeah. say as someone with the, the night chart Saturn in the first, the wasting my own time is much scarier. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, fair. I should <laughs> have been more responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And one last example to round off the time and the older younger thing is you both mentioned and Camille had mentioned as a chart example, Greta Thunberg who has the Sun, probably the Moon and Mercury In Capricorn, we don't have a birth time for her, um, but she's somebody that became uh, an environmental rights activist like extremely young and Mm -hmm. became prominent and known for that, uh, relatively early in her life, being only born in like 2003. And then when did she come to prominence? It was like several years ago now, at this point, right?
1: I feel like she was like 14 or something, Mm -hmm. yeah, probably at the Saturn opposition, like around Mm -hmm. that age, yeah, yeah,
0: it's. It says in August, Wikipedia says that um, in August 2018, at age 15, she started spending her Fridays outside of the Swedish parliament to call for stronger action on climate change, as Mm -hmm. most normal 15 year olds do, spending (laughs) their days outside of parliament, lobbying parliament to to make changes.
3: To
2: be Mm -hmm. responsible.
0: Right. Specifically yeah. to, exactly. to be
2: responsible.
0: And and kind of like shaming them. Like mm-hmm. she didn't mm-hmm. she she like went to the UN or something at one point. It was mm-hmm. kind of like shaming people for, for not being responsible or like mm-hmm. not taking care of the world and, and mm-hmm. things like that. It says yeah. she initially gained notice for her youth and her straightforward and blunt speaking manner, um, mm-hmm. both in public uh, and to political leaders and assemblies, and as she criticizes world leaders. For their failure to take what she considers sufficient action to address climate change. Mm-hmm. They're all very like Capricorn-y so Capricorn keywords. <laughs> yeah. And
2: she has that mutual reception between Mercury and Saturn, right? Like Saturn and Gemini with Mercury and Capricorn. Mm-hmm. So there's okay. very much that like communicating from a place of, um, can you not see what is really happening?
3: Mm hmm.
1: Like we have the information, we have mm-hmm. the facts. Uh, mm. We don't need to do anymore. You know, we don't have research. to do research. We, we have to do action. Mm. Yeah, enough <laughs> talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't we doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that bluntness is a, another good kind of keyword for Capricorn, which is just like not sugarcoating the mm-hmm. truth. Yeah, not right. putting yeah. a positive spin on things. Just yeah. going like, you know, from her perspective, she's like, my, you know i'm on the precipice of adulthood i'm being told that we have like no viable future for humanity Mm -hmm. what what gives yeah which reminds me that bitterness
2: like both in terms Mm. of like taste like actual taste um but also just like the consequences like sometimes saturnian consequences or capricornian consequences lead to bitterness right so like a bitter a bitter statement of just like you are fucking up my future what are you doing why are you just like sitting on your ass like saying pretty words to each other without actually taking care of what you're responsible for you know like that the intensity it's not the it's not the rage like the mm. the hot mm. fiery rage um it's very much that bitter
1: um like cold fire anger mm mm mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess you guys are just waiting for the next generation to get to work. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to continue to sit there and talk about it, and it is ultimately going to be up to us, and mm-hmm. so many more decades will have and passed by the you're time. you're wasting our time. Exactly. By doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We see you, Greta. We see you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was just looking at her. Um, she was Mercury- Stationary retrograde at 28 Capricorn. That's so that's so funny. So this retrograde is echoing Ah. her exactly, and she was just like in the news because Mercury just stationed. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't going to be very timeless for this episode. Uh, But (laughs) it was a sweet burn, though. It was a sweet burn. She made this. um, There was like this misogynist Andrew Tate who like tried to post a tweet like like saying something like to her that I have I own 33 cars, and he was like bragging or something, or trying to take mm-hmm. her on as a climate activist and just be a he jerk. Just like,
1: give me your email address so I can show you even more cars. Just like being skeezy and terrible. Yeah. yeah. And her and then- response was like, "Yes, please enlighten me. You can email me at small at getalife Right. Mm-hmm. And then
2: him and his like <laughs> child childish response uh, owned himself and ended mm-hmm. up getting himself arrested
1: (laughs) which kind of speaks to the saturn keyword of uh karma Mm -hmm, yeah yeah the logical ramifications of one's actions right it's just
2: like uh like this this isn't it's not punishment it's just the
1: results of what you did exactly yeah like she didn't call the cops on you right (laughs) (laughs) yeah you did it to yourself
0: yeah, but that was pretty good and it was a pretty short burn like using the least amount of words possible just responding responding yeah. pretty brutally. Mm-hmm. Um so that's funny, a uh, funny story. Shout out to our sponsor for this episode, which is the astrology software program that we use here on the podcast called Solar Fire. Solar Fire is one of the most popular programs that astrologers use to calculate charts. It has the ability to calculate hundreds of different techniques. And you can also use it to animate charts and move them forward and backward in time. You can get a 15% discount on Solar Fire by using the promo code AP15 when you purchase the program through the Astrolabe website at alabe.com. For Mac users, we recommend a program called AstroGold for Mac OS which was made by the creators of Solar Fire and includes a number of modern and ancient techniques as well as the ability to animate charts. Get a 15% discount on Astro Gold by using the promo code AstroPodcast15 when you purchase the program through their website at astrogold.io. Finally, if you're looking to get an astrological consultation with a professional astrologer, check out our new recommended astrologers page on the podcast website at theastrologypodcast.com/slash consultations. You can get a 10% discount when you book a consultation with one of the astrologers listed on our page when you use the promo code AstrologyPodCast. All right, let's go ahead and resume from our break. Uh, really quickly, I have to mention part of the anecdote because everyone's going to forget about this probably in a month. But that um, we were talking about the Greta Thunberg thing because then the guy she responded to ended up getting arrested like a day or two later, and like, going, and he's like sitting in jail right now. So, and there's been speculations about whether her response and then his really pathetic response back to her was part of the reason why the authorities knew where he was and then arrested him for some. Potentially terrible things that he seems to was is accused of doing. So, anyways, I just wanted to wrap that up in terms of that little thing. Um, mm-hmm. We were just talking about like the recurring joke on the podcast hashtag Astrologer Good when like transits are like so bad, but you're just so impressed by the astrology that you it's almost like the um, little yeah, it's a little positive note on things would make things otherwise not completely good. And you were talking about how maybe that's part of what Capricorn loves about astrology, or, or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Capricorn just loves that sense that that time does have meaning uh, mm. for one, uh, and that um, and again, like the time boxing of being mm-hmm. able to just like divide and subdivide every moment of life into mm-hmm. you know sections of. You compartmentalized time, like perceiving one's life as like a tiny subsection of a Pluto cycle, versus Mm -hmm. a couple of uh, Saturn cycles, versus Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) nearly infinity moon cycles. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: or maybe Um, being able to plan things out in the future with like electional or something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, having that confidence that like now is the good time, or now is not the good time. I think is it's mm. almost therapeutic for Capricorn to work with astrology.
2: Yeah, there, especially I feel like the longer cycles, like the long view, um, and demarcations of limitations, mm-hmm. is also very helpful. You know, to be able to say this is a transit that I'm experiencing right now, and I can describe what it is, uh, describing in my own life, and I can clearly see where the end point is for this specific transit. Mm -hmm. and whether that's for good or for ill of just like I need to take advantage of this moment because like the grass like the grain is really ripe and juicy and there's plenty of it so I need to harvest as much as I can or from the standpoint of uh, you know this is a necessary period of austerity or this is a you know a great time to not try hard in that particular area of life like because it's not favorable, you know. It's just like okay, it'll stop being not favorable in you know two weeks or six months or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Really facilitates the pursuit of pursuit of things, but like in tandem with a clear time structure. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that that you need to use time to plan things. that time's like an mm-hmm. integral component to things, and knowing when to do things mm-hmm. or when Ooh. when not to do things.
2: To use time wisely, to not waste mm-hmm. time. Is facilitated by understanding the qualities of time, as currently described by current astrological weather.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. and the length of and the lengths of those periods, like knowing Mm -hmm. the end date and the start date. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and that even feels like it gets into like you know Capricorn Aquarius rising as being the the people who are ruled by Saturn, or who's Mm -hmm. you if your ruling planet is the slowest moving visible planet. What does that mean to the native in terms of how like it naturally would focus on the long term versus mm-hmm. those natives who are ruled by faster moving planets like yeah. you look at what is your ruling planet going to be doing uh you know for the coming year you're like oh it's, it's continuing to focus on the same mm-hmm. thing it was doing last year yeah. yeah you know
2: yeah there's a an encouragement to uh do longer term planning just because you're tra- like you're ruling like your ascendant ruler is always doing longer term work
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know so to be able to structure every 30 year chunk of life by where saturn currently is hanging out um like wow that's like so handy just like okay saturn enters leo like what are you focusing on for three years (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what's like like what's the core understructure for those three years
1: Mm.
3: mm.
1: And uh, and having that heads up to like you know mm-hmm. as we go into 2023 like as this episode is being recorded we know that Saturn is changing signs in tropical astrology in March. And so folks with a with an eye to Saturn are able to prepare for that mm-hmm. transition. Yeah, uh, which you know which feels really good if you imagine mm-hmm. being a, a you know a Saturn native out there in the wild not knowing <laughs> astrology. Yeah, you would be less able Bad. to
2: <laughs> feel much feel much more like a victim of circumstance and time rather than a participant in circumstance, circumstance and time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all a, remember life before astrology. It was so harsh. Well,
0: and it's been a long, long six years of Saturn transiting through its own signs of first Capricorn Absolutely. from like 2017 to 2020, and then Aquarius from 2020 to 2023. So I was talking to Patrick Watson yesterday, and we were talking about that transition of Saturn into Pisces. Moving into a Jupiter ruled sign for the first time since you know twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, and he was saying that it it's really felt the past like six years like a long extended winter in some ways, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with everything that's happened. Obviously in terms of the pandemic, but but other things as well.
2: I wonder if we'll if- get the next uh, Game of Thrones book, <laughs> <laughs> because like you know winter winter has come and gone.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> the next Game of Thrones book, uh, spring is coming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the dream of spring. Well, that's a great Capricorn phrase or keyword then that winter is coming.
1: That's mm-hmm. the
0: house Stark's oh. like motto in Game of Thrones. It's a very Capricorn. House, house Stark starchy. is so
2: Capricorn, I can't even deal with it. <laughs> like, so immensely Capricorn. Always planning for winter. Like, mm-hmm. even in the height of summer, planning for winter.
1: Mm. But they, they're mm-hmm. out there at like the boundary of the mm-hmm. territory too. Like, right. But they're, they're on this side up. of the wall. Like, the wildlings are a
2: little bit more Aquarius. Right. Yes. But like the, the Starks or Capricorn tradition, structure, uh, family, you know, family is everything. Mm-hmm. Integrity is everything. Like, you know, the downfall of the Starks throughout Game of Thrones is adhering so tightly to their own extremely high standards of behavior, even mm-hmm. when everybody else is fucking around and
1: fighting out. Mm-hmm. Which really naturally leads into that. Like, we haven't talked about the, you know, Aquarius as the reaction mm. to mm-hmm. Capricorn. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. it's like
1: two sides of Saturn that mm-hmm. are so similar and so different uh, at the same time.
0: Um, before we get there, one last keyword to wrap up this section um, that I just came up with, based on our previous th- uh, discussions, but I realized it was one. It's it's got to be one of the umbrella terms is to conserve.
3: Mm. And mm-hmm. I think
0: I think that really helps because it can be like to conserve energy, to conserve resources. In Mm -hmm. many different ways, and you know, that works as a super high level archetype keyword because there's many different ways then that that can manifest in different, uh, constructive or negative or even neutral ways. But it seems like that's one of the overarching themes we keep coming back to is the notion of like Capricorn and the the idea of to conserve something,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. It's almost like during Sagittarius season, where there may be lots of holidays and feasts occurring, uh, Capricorn is you know sitting there like quietly stowing away some of the resources so that you know once the party's over, we can actually last through the next yeah three months or mm-hmm. however many months, according to that geography of mm-hmm. uh, of lean times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. And it, it's always been a little, I think sometimes people think about and wonder about this in terms of like, uh, you know, Christmas and whatever previous Roman holidays. It's based on what Saturnalia being around the time of the winter solstice. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about that one point and thinking about how you can only have that sort of like winter feast in the middle of winter if you've done a good job of like building up storehouses of food during mm-hmm. the summer. And if you didn't, then you're not really having much of a feast.
2: Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to know how much you can
1: uh, indulge.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
3: You have yeah. to
1: put in yeah, celebrating the hard work, I suppose.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is all um, that's sort of a, a key f- phrase, I guess, with Capricorn, like delayed gratification.
2: Mm. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm.
1: Like, yeah. like just putting it off, putting off you know, indulgence until the until you know for sure that it's safe to indulge.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, are there any chart examples that either of you would like to mention or that you like to use for Capricorn before we move into this section, just talking about the comparison of the different signs?
2: I mean, I love mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. I love okay. Dolly Parton. Like, how, you know,
0: for somebody that doesn't know Dolly Parton, how, how do you relate that?
2: Well, you know, Cap Sun, Venus, Mercury, all in the fifth and um, her career is one of the most long-lasting careers of any musician kind of ever, Um, and she has been very clearly herself the entire time, right? So it's like ascendant ruler in the fifth, um, you know, with that Virgo rising.
3: Okay.
2: Um, And then what's also interesting is that uh, Saturn-Mars conjunction right across the street from her Mercury-Venus Sun. Um, So the balance of Cancer and Capricorn is like baked into like how she presents herself and the impacts that her music has and the impacts of her money, right? Like she is someone who has taken the resources that she has gathered to help children, Fifth House, right? Like she's a huge like pro-literacy person, gives out lots of books, supports lots of libraries in the South. you know, there's, there's this, there's a, there's a generosity and a staying power simultaneously. She's also been really, really, really good at continuing to own her own shit. Right. So like in time periods, when there were a lot of musicians being deeply taken advantage of, she didn't experience as much of that in part because she was so locked in on what she knew was hers. So that conservation component, like I'm conserving my own resources and I'm going to be very generative with those resources, establishing very substantial legacies while doing so.
3: Hmm. That's good. I like that.
0: Yeah. Um, Madeline, do you have any good chart examples you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I just, um, I, well, I recently saw the, the play Hamilton like way delayed you know, as it were uh i was trying to t- decide if it was worth the money uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <And I laughs> have capricorn Mama jokes and, yeah i was <laughs> like oh well, my mom will really enjoy it so i'll spend the money because she'll enjoy mm-hmm. it. yeah anyway it's it's quality entertainment i think it's worth seeing um but i was very curious of course as an astrologer watching um this play about just like oh what is you know What kind of natal placements did Alexander Hamilton have? Mm. So there's not a timed birth, obviously, but there's a date of birth. And he has a Capricorn stellium Mm. um, with like a sun-Saturn conjunction. I think Mercury as well. And I think the moon is solidly in there, like within that 12-hour or that 24-hour span, rather. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that play, they're just going on and on about his archetype as being someone who's like instrumental in the foundation of the you know, building, the nation that will be the United States, and how he has sort of mm. like a rags to riches story. Like he starts off very poor, um, and then you know, finds his you know finds his goal, finds his focus. Um, and they even talk about like uh, he's he's this mastermind of the financial system. That goes mm. into the founding of the United States. Um, of course, this is speculative, but you get the impression from the story that he has a very—he's a very mercurial person. He does, you know, he does so much writing and communications. Um, so you, you know, speculate that perhaps that Capricorn stellium is in the second or the eighth house, uh, you know, one of the financial mm. houses. So being a founding father of the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Uh, was yeah it was interesting to me wow that's that's so good <laughs> i was like <laughs> in the play i'm just like he's probably a gemini rising or maybe sad rising and then mm-hmm. <laughs> you look it up later i'm like oh well, then that would put mars in his uh you know perhaps in the first and he's a very mm-hmm. martial person just doing that super astro geek thing where you try to yeah. listen to all the key points in their life story and yeah it's also hilarious life, but- that the musical, which is Venusian, was happening
2: mm-hmm. while transiting Saturn was in that section of his chart.
0: Absolutely, right? like the Capricorn section.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because he had right? that Venus in like, like conjunction as well. Didn't it come out? Wait, I may be getting this wrong. It was a little bit early. I think it came was out it, in the was it Saturn. while Saturn was in Sag. Sag oh, okay. Era. Yeah. But I'm I'm speculating that he could be Sag, right? Right. Anyway. (laughs) Hilarious. It's in the musical. He's like, I'm not going to lose my shot. You know, I'm so, he's very, that Mars and Sag, just like, I've got a vision. I'm going to go after it. I want to be on the front lines.
0: Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. For the audio listeners, uh, with the date of birth, he's got Mercury, probably the Moon, Saturn, Sun, and Venus all in the sign of Capricorn. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a
0: pretty pretty good stellium. Um, uh, all yeah.
2: right, what's your favorite Capricorn chart, Chris?
0: Um, I have him. I'm trying to pull up the chart right now. So my favorite that I've used for years uh, is James Earl Jones, mm. who <laughs> oh
3: yeah,
2: we have Darth a
0: birthday himself. For- <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the voice of Darth Vader, but then he has an interesting backstory so Mufasa, related to that. Right?
1: Yeah, Mufasa too. And, and, and
0: Mufasa, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Big daddy energy.
0: In, in The, in the <laughs> Lion King. Big daddy energy. Yeah, and, and save that because I want to come back to that because that's an archetypal theme we need to come back to yet that we haven't before. But So he has the Ascendant, we have a time birth chart for him and he has what is probably a night chart. He was born a little bit before sunrise with- uh, the ascendant in Capricorn, as well as Mercury, which is um, stationing on his day of birth. Basically, it's stationary, as well as the Moon, Saturn, and the Sun, and the lot of fortune, all in Capricorn. So, for the audio listeners, just imagine somebody with like a big Capricorn stellium involving a lot of personal planets, including Saturn, and then having his rising sign like also be there, so that all that's in the first house. So um, funny thing about him is that he had some speech issues when he was really young. He had a stutter or he developed a stutter which was so severe that for several years he refused to speak. So like if you go on his like Wikipedia entry, it says at one point in an interview, it says, quote, I was a stutterer, I couldn't talk. So my first year of school was my first mute year, and then those mute years continued until I got to high school. Mm-hmm. So he literally like wasn't speaking for like this huge chunk of his life early on and was experiencing actual issues with communication mm-hmm. or great challenges with communication. But then eventually, he was able to overcome this and eventually he got into acting um, and he said that poetry helped him to like overcome this stutter. And then it's so ironic because then as we all know, or at least most of us in our generation know, you know, once he became an adult, he ended up being the voice, the famous voice of like Darth Vader, and then also like the voice of Mufasa and the Lion King. And he just had this big, like commanding, sort of like booming voice that became very iconic um, as he got older. And there's something about that that's so striking and so perfect as a Saturn example of. You know, having an issue or a challenge early on in life, but eventually being able to overcome that to the point that it becomes actually a strength. Where mm-hmm. what what was initially like a sore spot or a shortcoming eventually becomes like almost like your your superpower in a way.
2: So mm-hmm. good, and it, it makes me wonder if his first year of school might have been like his applying Saturn Square and if his like release from muteness would have been in the aftermath of a Saturn opposition because for a Saturn yeah. opposition which was also very close to his natal Jupiter and so just even this thought of like not only de-restricting but it becoming big you know like this big boy mm-hmm. vo-
3: <laughs>
1: totally. I love that too. the uh, archetypes that we're referencing <laughs> moment for the astrologer good <laughs> beautiful so So satisfying yeah but so those archetypes of like darth vader and mufasa Mm -hmm. it kind of it reminds me of what i was trying to convey about saturn as a as a paternal figure versus the sun Mm. as a paternal figure because both of those uh, father figures those roles are it's like a father who is missing or who is taken away Mm -hmm. for whatever reason um you know especially darth Mm. vader is being like it's my father but also it's my arch nemesis Right. Yeah, that he's he's a
0: bad guy, and yeah, then you yeah. find out that you're you find out that you're related to the bad guy.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and I feel like mm-hmm. there's also something like with Mufasa, like Mufasa's absence, mm-hmm. like doesn't actually diminish the sensation of Mufasa's presence, right? right. Like you know, Simba kind of lives in the shadow of his father.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but even just that that feeling of like, oh, the king is dead. That mm-hmm. vibe that The Lion King is trying to convey. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah. such a Saturn yeah <laughs> what do you do when you know you have when the ruler or the you know the icon the person that you look up to you know the literal mm-hmm. god figure of the sun is gone mm-hmm. you know, yeah what do you do then mm. you gotta yeah. you know put on your big boy pants and go <laughs> save pride rock <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: right. Yeah, and even um, I know when Saturn comes up, you know, a lot of people talk about like the famous archetypal stories and like Greek myths about like Saturn devouring his son, mm-hmm. um, and that famous painting and some of the things like that, mm-hmm. and the dynamic between sometimes parents and children and the generational tensions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, perhaps like a negative Capricorn trait of wanting to hold on to the the structure that maybe one yeah. who worked hard all their life to create and so the next generation threatens that structure
2: right, right. i mean and even like the story of precus or precus of mm-hmm. you know not actually letting like trying to like turn back time if i could turn back time right if um, I could find and like
3: a way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know just like stealing his children back to the sea just being like no you don't get to be born you have to come back here with me yeah. um, and then even ex- like turning that into something more of a metaphor is just like the way that Capricornian folks can do such a good job at not sharing their creations, right? At not completing Mm. and then birthing their creations and allowing their creations to actually exist in the world as their own things, Mm
3: -hmm. right?
2: It's just like, oh no, it's not good enough. I'm just going to eat it. (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) eat it and pretend it never happened.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah. And and generationally attempting to maintain the status quo or you know that that actually brings up you know one of the things that always happens with um society is that we often you know people are often always either idealizing like the past or idealizing the future where mm-hmm. either looking back to the good old days when everything was perfect and when blah 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 x, y, z and was happening and how that's over over idealized or always looking at the future where that the future is going to be great and all the problems are going to be solved and everything's going to be mm-hmm. different um as well as the classic um you know the youth is ruining society trope that's been going on you know that we have records going back like thousands of years about uh-huh. you know people in like <laughs> Athens and like the 5th century BCE <laughs> like complaining about how the youth is like ruining everything, and they don't respect their parents anymore, and <laughs> all, the, all of the, the traditions are being forgotten about and neglected, mm-hmm. and society obviously is just going to end any time now because of of how the youth is is doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. And like as you're saying that, um, I'm also being reminded of um, the like the the concept of the golden age of Kronos. Right Like the golden era, um, mm. prior to the rise of the Olympians, and it's just like, yeah, there's like endless time because we don't have Olympians trying to use the time. You know, time is not constrained by the,, um, the aims of whatever you can understand the Olympians to symbolize. It's just endless time, man, uncaged mm. time. All time is free time because time is free. Um, mm. that sort of utopian golden. Golden age, uh, rose-colored glasses look on the past, and I would say, you know, if we're gonna like contrast signs at all, it's like Aquarius is maybe a little bit more of that future-oriented, like the the eye, like the eyes are on the traditions of the future rather mm-hmm. than the um, nostalgias of a fantasized past.
0: I think that's totally correct. That's totally right. And that maybe mm-hmm. that's the contrast is the Saturn tends to be, or Capricorn as more perhaps backwards looking to some extent. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's long term planning impulses and other things like that, but Aquarius being a bit more future oriented mm. and future looking. I
2: feel mm-hmm. like the Capricorn long term planning is I want to be able to look back and say that I did it.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas totally. like
2: the Aquarius long term planning, is like I want to see what's happening then and I want to build what I want to be happening then rather mm-hmm. than the sensation of I want to look back and be able to be proud of how I used my time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Totally.
0: That's perfect. So eyes on the future versus eyes on the past.
1: Mhm. Like Aquarius as an air sign too is just like very happy to be in the th- in the theoretical mm. to you know just to envision the future and you know work on something that can create this theoretical, you know, better Structure. Whereas, because Capricorn is the Earth, Saturn is so hyper aware of what currently exists or Mm -hmm. working with what's right in front of you. um, Mm -hmm. That creates that strong contrast in the archetypes as well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, there's so much more of a social component because Aquarius is an Earth sign. Uh, Just looking back at our diagram here, and the other Earth signs are like, you know, Gemini. Oh, air signs or sorry yeah thank you uh, air <laughs> signs are gemini and its like communicativeness or libra with venus and the socialness of that and then you get to the third air sign which is saturn um, which you know being traditionally ruled by saturn being a cold sign we would think that it's you know just a continuation of capricorn in a sense but being an air sign it brings in this informational or communicative or or to some extent like a social component
1: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh it's almost I mean it's interesting how Aquarius coming after Capricorn is like Saturn reacting to itself, like Saturn mm. trying to improve on how it was just doing things and maybe recognizing mm. the limitations of mm. uh, of the earthly plane, the limitations of what has been created before. Right? Um, there's also something about how actions
2: participate in the creation and reaffirmation of beliefs. I think about Aquarius quite a lot in terms of uh, belief structures and worldview mm. structures, right? These sort of intangible structures that um, actively participate in our perception of tangible reality, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, how is it that um, altering or creating tangible reality changes our
1: beliefs and understandings about what is reality? Mm-hmm. Mm. You almost—I mean, like once you're in Aquarius, you then have a sextile to Sagittarius, so mm-hmm. you're able to welcome Jupiter back into your life. There's a warm up, <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, Sagittarius, yeah. I like. I'm I'm hearing your ideas now. Let's mm-hmm. yeah, let's come up with some plans.
3: Yeah. to make them yeah. happen,
1: and perhaps and utilizing to- technology, we can mm-hmm. make the you know, Aquarius, being so associated with technological innovations, like right. perhaps right. we, don't we have can. To- accomplish a lot more than we could have with capricorn where we were just focusing on you know moving moving the earth right we don't have to hand cut every stone for the building we can use our
2: tools yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah Be like, no, yeah. but I love my hand cut tools, <laughs> you know. The Capricorn older generation <laughs> <laughs> handmade is the best way, <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. it maybe true, but think of how many more people are going to be able to have tools if we, mm-hmm. you know, improve this process a little bit. Yeah,
0: that's such a great point because I've been thinking about that so much over the past month since we did the year ahead forecast and since. We're getting to that third decan, and Saturn's making its final run through the end of Aquarius at this point, and we're just seeing the results of all this technological innovation that's been mm-hmm. in development and brewing over the past three years. That Saturn's been transiting through the first parts of Aquarius, and now a lot of it's just coming to the forefront really rapidly, including things like uh, artificial intelligence,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and that and that one of the main themes with that seems to be either humans using that or using technology in general to enhance what, they've, what they do or enhance their abilities to com- accomplish things or in other instances that it's being used in order to replace things that we do. Um, but that notion of technology in Aquarius enhancing things and enhancing the work that you do that's more grounded and practical just based on what you have at your disposal or mm-hmm. that you have with your inherent abilities and skills with Capricorn Um, But then, yeah, in in Aquarius, you try to find ways to leverage other tools Mm -hmm. that you can invent or come up with that can help you do things faster, more effectively. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I feel
2: like efficiency would be a word I would apply to Aquarius, where it's like where Saturn in Capricorn or Capricornian Saturn might be more about the conservation of resources and energy and things like that. Aquarian Saturn is more like it's not about conserving, but using what we have efficiently.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And being able to distribute it, that that mm -hmm. air sign, being able to distribute the tools and resources so that more people can contribute so it becomes even more efficient.
2: Yeah. Is it networked or is mm -hmm. it solitary?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. There's that aspect to Aquarius that is also solitary or that is like hermit-like where the perhaps similarly like in their youth, they might be isolated in terms of having that vision of what needs to change about society or what. You know being so you know enamored with maybe tools or technology that they don't socialize as much or socialize from from a distance like from the safety of you know behind their computer screen or whatnot, um so sharing that kind of like like that isolation quality with Capricorn, but then mm-hmm. using it towards reaching out into society mm-hmm. with their impact yeah, also interesting to think about how
2: both. Capricorn and Aquarius um, are—they're like dry in different ways, right? But there's like Mm -hmm. rigidity in both of them. Mm -hmm. It's like material rigidity versus um, conceptual rigidity,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: right? And it's like even you know where they're like the high standards of Capricorn, or maybe like the high standards of achievement, whereas the high standards of Aquarius are more about high standards, um, you know, philosophically or definitionally, right? Mm -hmm. Or even like a moral or
1: ethical high standard
0: it's like Mm -hmm. material rigidity versus intellectual rigidity
1: Mm -hmm. yeah totally and then even the um like the burden of responsibility that capricorn Mm -hmm. feels i think aquarius also feels but towards the means of like like i've got to enact my ideas like Mm -hmm. how i see the world or my Mm -hmm. ideas about society are so important and useful that that almost becomes the burden that they carry it's the responsibility of ideals versus the responsibility of legacy mhm
3: mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. there's also a continuation to some extent of capricorn's ability to say no or to criticize things and in that way to kind of critique or reject things we see that in aquarius but more in a social in terms of social conventions where, where mm-hmm. aquarius doesn't mind or sometimes just naturally like stands out and is Unique or or weird compared to whatever the norm is or whatever the standard Mm -hmm. is, but it can sometimes like fully, you know, that in and of itself, that being unique is partially sometimes through a rejection of social convention or saying no Mm -hmm. to 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 something.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Almost think about how um, the nocturnal signs ruled by malefics like um, Scorpio and Capricorn might be reacting to having been rejected or having been forced to um, be apart from society at some point in their lives whereas the diurnal uh, domiciles of the malefics like Aries and Aquarius it's more like a choice they're a bit happier to go they're enacting way. enacting rejection versus exactly. receiving rejection yeah, yeah. Aries mm. is like I'm not gonna just sit around here and do nothing like there's so much I want to do And Aquarius is like I'm not gonna sit around here and just do what everybody else is doing because they're all idiots. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And, the, and then we connect it with the you know, diurnal versus nocturnal thing and the, the idea of the sun emitting things versus emitting light versus the moon receiving light in terms of that alternation of the signs.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the expressive yeah. fire and air signs versus the receptive or responsive earth and water signs. Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it sure.
1: really helps understand like the differing motivations perhaps of Saturn as Capricorn versus Saturn as Aquarius and why mm-hmm. perhaps Saturn has more you know, dignity by triplicity in in air signs as mm-hmm. being able to be proactive with its ideas yeah you know, mhm rather mm-hmm. than having to defend them I guess so much
0: mhm yeah it is interesting though, as a contrast, that Capricorn, although ruled by Saturn and a nocturnal sign, has that earthy component that is a little bit more organic in some ways. And when you get to Aquarius, that's one of the th- ways that I think um, with it being a Saturn-ruled air sign and a fixed sign that we get the associations with technology, but then sometimes you get this feeling like sometimes it's um, that te- technology can be cold and like not organic in some ways. And I think mm-hmm. that becomes a contrast between Capricorn and, um, and Aquarius as well, as there's a little bit more coldness uh, to Aquarius than there is in Capricorn. Even though Capricorn can have that reputation for being cold or pessimistic or distant, there's still a little bit more of a warmth there than you might expect.
1: I was going to say Aquarius might be totally content with the idea of like living in virtual reality for the rest of its life you Mm -hmm. know or becoming a part human cyborg like distancing from the body because it's all up in the head the air sign whereas Mm -hmm. capricorn is just going to be you know so as an earth sign so much more aware of like yeah you could escape to virtual reality but down here on earth things are still you know, we're still running out of resources. We're still, you know, on the verge of extinction, etc. Mm-hmm. It's like it can't—Capricorn can't escape the the physical. Like Aquarius mm-hmm. can.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that mm-hmm. makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: All right, so let's transition into comparing the other signs. And part of who, where we how we do this, um, is by first looking at the modalities. And I know we've done a little bit of that already. But if we compare. Capricorn to the other four cardinal signs, um, that might be a partial starting point here. So Capricorn is one of the cardinal signs, the other three are Aries, Cancer, and Libra. Mm -hmm. So we've already talked a bit about the comparison with Cancer as the sign opposite and the Moon. Um, Why don't we talk a little bit about Aries and the ways in which Capricorn and Aries Have uh, tensions through the square, as well as some of the ways that they're similar as a result of both being cardinal signs?
2: I was just going to say one of the first things that comes up is like Aries is so much more immediate than Capricorn, right? Aries is very much of the present moment, whereas Capricorn is definitely thinking both backwards in terms of tradition and forwards in terms of like building something that endures. Um, Aries is like, I'm just going to do it. Right. Um, Like consequence is not as heavy for Aries, but consequence
1: is absolutely heavy for Capricorn. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Yeah. When Aries runs into a wall doing whatever it's doing, it just goes, Oh, oh, that hurt. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas Capricorn goes, Oh, I ran into a wall. I really should have prepared better Mm -hmm. so that I would have been able to. I bring my climbing gear to. ascend Exactly. Like, and might just sit there and be like, all right, next time. Going to be able to get over that wall. Meanwhile, Aries has already run its head into seventeen other walls, mm-hmm. and also not cared. Yeah,
0: yeah. That impulsiveness is something that's definitely more dominant in Aries, and I think could be a little bit annoying for Capricorn, mm-hmm. um, not thinking through things ahead of time or not making some sort of plan ahead of time. Whereas Aries just wants to to dive in, sort of like head first immediately, and mm-hmm. that can be a good thing or a bad thing. There's also a tension, a fundamental tension there. Because one of the things we talked about in the Aries episode that I thought was really great as a keyword for Aries is speed and quickness mm-hmm. and like the need for speed and that that manifesting in different ways, including sometimes just very simple things like driving fast, mm-hmm. wanting to get somewhere quickly, versus with Capricorn, sometimes wanting to be a little bit more cautious and do things slowly, even though it's still a cardinal sign, you're still. Initiating action, there's a fundamental difference there in terms of it being a Saturn ruled sign that moves a little bit more slowly.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Absolutely. Like, I think of whenever you describe um, on the podcast Mars and Saturn coming into alignment, there's that, you know, the the stop and go, the putting down the gas pedal at the same time as the brake pedal Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. when Aries and Capricorn are both enacted, it it feels very much like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Trying to go fast at the same time as, yeah, as taking your time. Mm-hmm. But that also,
2: you know, it's like whenever that square is more productive rather than uh, obstructive, I
3: guess, mm-hmm.
2: you know, that's like the judicious use of the brakes whenever you're hitting a corner, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's accelerating at the right time
3: mm-hmm. and
2: breaking at the right time to. Uh, efficiently get around the track
1: Mm, yeah absolutely so one is actually able to reach um, perhaps reach Capricorn's goals more quickly Mm -hmm. uh, if correctly applying some Aries speed but balancing it with the Capricorn brakes right it's like reaching not your
2: most maximum maximum speed but your maximum sustainable speed given the terrain
3: Mm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. I love
0: that. That's great. That's a great extension of that analogy that we've always used of like hitting the brakes and the gas at the same time, which we've always used for like Mars Saturn combinations, especially conjunctions, as a a metaphor for frustration and and inability and inaction. But actually, there is a productive use of that when Mm -hmm. you're like, Mm -hmm. like if you're like playing Mario Kart and you do like a power slide around Mm -hmm. like a turn or hit Mm -hmm. the e e brake on something, it's like you're drifting at that point.
3: Yeah. And you're mm-hmm.
0: drifting is like finding that perfect balance between momentum and stop and go in order to like mm-hmm. take a sharp turn as quickly mm-hmm. as you can.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it takes a lot of skill. You have to right. know what yeah. you're doing. Um, yeah. But you it also takes have practice. to It takes practice and it also takes gas, right? You have mm-hmm. to have the mastery and the fuel together.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I, I love perfect.
1: the power slide uh, metaphor. I'm going to, with my own Aries son. I'm going to take that time. To- <laughs> How do we just drift into uh-huh. <laughs> these things? Um, yeah. But it's a great point because Aries, you know, would prefer the, as the crow flies, like the most direct route possible to get to where it's going. But that's not always the, the a- actual most efficient route because there might be a, a quicksand pit, you know, mm-hmm. in that direct route. So with some proper planning, you could find what's truly the most efficient route by considering all of the possible things that the obstacles that could be there along the way.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: For sure. All right. Uh, I think that's pretty good for those two. Why don't we transition into talking about the other cardinal sign that we've only touched on briefly at this point, which is Libra, which is ruled by Venus, cardinal, air, diurnal, or a masculine sign. Uh, compared to Capricorn. So mm-hmm. um, in the notes Camille said that Libra initiates partnership and collaboration and that's part of the comparison with Capricorn initiating strategy and long-term goals.
1: Mm-hmm. You can see how that could be both beneficial for Capricorn in terms of like could be easier to meet your goals if you if you collaborate or you partner someone with right. someone but Rather also potentially than- frustrating. Uh, mm-hmm. For that same reason, you have yeah. to take that time to really consider the other person's opinion, and it might not be as efficient as just doing everything yourself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Capricorn like knows the best way to do it and wants to do it its way because it, it knows what it thinks is the best way to do it, rather than having to share that with somebody else and like
2: mm-hmm. have somebody
0: else that may not be able to be as effective as they are. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about Libra is also um, very interconnective, mm-hmm. which definitely um finds friction with like the saturnian um isolation like often mm-hmm. preference right it's not just i don't care about other people's feelings it's like it's more comfortable for me to just do it myself mm-hmm. um and so to ha- to be brought into an interconnective way of addressing things can be
1: quite challenging
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. You can see the benefit too. Whereas if Capricorn does learn to work with Libra, uh, the the results that it's trying to produce are more pleasant, are more Mm -hmm. charming, are more aesthetic. uh There's more artfulness that Libra brings Mm -hmm. in. And even just thinking about Saturn's
2: exaltation in Libra, where you know I feel like Saturnian or like Capricornian um, dedication and hard work. Actually mm-hmm. encourages Libra to reach levels of like artistry that mm-hmm. it maybe would not achieve otherwise, right? So it's like totally. the, the Capricorn part is like, no, we have to put in the work on the ground, we have to put in our reps, essentially. And Libra sees the benefit by you know increased graciousness or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like any fine artist will tell you, like it's not that they were just born naturally with mm-hmm. this talent. Uh, you know, that might be an aspect of it, but it's years of dedicated study mm-hmm. really focusing in on, mm. you know, for instance, like that that piece of art that you have from Alex Mond behind mm-hmm. you. It's like, you know, I know that they're meticulously studying the physical form in order to mm-hmm. understand how to properly represent it right know, in two dimensions. And that takes years and years of practice right. and effort. Plus then their study of
2: astrology in order to like translate astrological concepts through artistic representation mm-hmm. um and this is also just making me think about uh like libra's like social component you know of just like trying to make sure that this like initiating connections um there's something about the like making sure that the connections are durable that capricorn brings it it's just like are mm. you? Introducing people because like they're gonna think that each other is cute, but there's really not any substance between them. Or mm-hmm. are you introducing people who will be able to um, have mutually reciprocal relationship for the long term?
1: Mm-hmm. Right, like Capricorn doesn't want to do just that superficial Libra mm-hmm. thing of just let's all just pretend to be nice because isn't isn't nice? is nice? it's pleasant? Isn't, I guess isn't it just nice to be nice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're like, is nice actually accomplishing some things. If not, mm-hmm. then you know, count me out. Yeah. But by the same token, um, I think Libra, you know, in that relationship to Capricorn is able to be like, Hey, you know, you don't want to be like Aries over there and just be like a self-centered asshole. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) There's something about like, what is the strategic utility of kindness? Exactly. Like kindness in and of itself is great. And also it has positive long-term consequences.
1: Mm Hmm. You're gonna reach, you know, so many more people with this like legacy or this goal that you're trying to build if you incorporate social awareness. Mm Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. It also that contrast between Capricorn and Libra it makes me think I saw this post recently on Reddit where it was talking about was trying to like explain probably to millennials how marriage is not just like a piece of paper and it was explaining that in the context of somebody who They'd been in a relationship for like many years, for like 10 or 15 years. And I'm guessing they're in like their 30s or something. And they just never got married because they didn't think it was important. And they lived together and everything else. But then their partner got sick and entered like end of the life stuff. So they ended up getting married. And they were explaining like the legal benefits of that, of mm-hmm. marriage. And like, and mm-hmm. that, you know, marriage comes with a lot of immediate legal benefits and how that's. One of the few things that, like, immediately makes two people who are otherwise not related family members and creates, like, a legally binding document. So then, when the person died, their family, who the person didn't have much connected with, like, connection with, came out of nowhere and tried to, like, take all of the possessions and stuff of mm-hmm. the deceased partner, even though that wasn't their wishes, and tried to, like, while the partner was in hospice, like move them to like another state so they could like die <laughs> where they grew up, except the partner didn't want that at all. Neither of the two individuals wanted that at all. So it really explained that marriage in that context and creating that legally binding structure of like merging your two personalities in some ways or lives in a way that created a single entity between the two of you actually had real practical like value mm-hmm. and justification beyond just like a. You know, a romantic or ideal, ideal, Mm -hmm. ideal sort of like a justification.
2: Right. Marriage isn't just the fairy tale wedding. Like marriage has very concrete and tangible consequences, some of which are very desirable, um, Mm -hmm. some of which, you know, may or may not be desirable depending on your situation. Right. True.
1: Yeah. The commitment that it involves or the legally binding nature. Like, Mm -hmm. gives the benefits, but then also creates the restrictions that are harder to, you know, it's much more, if you're just going from the strict, like, getting the legal papers done side of things, it can actually be much less expensive to get married than it can be to get divorced in terms of who you're paying. Way less expensive, actually.
2: Yeah. Even just, like, with the court fees and things like that. like the court fees. Less than 50 bucks to get married and probably mm-hmm. 500 plus to get divorced. And that's not if you're hiring mm-hmm. a lawyer or anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's also the, the reality that for some people, like marriage can actually create worse problems, right? Mm-hmm. So like in the United States, if you are somebody who is disabled and on disability, if you marry and your spouse's resources increase your tax you know, mm. net taxes, net net uh,
1: income or whatever, a certain level, you lose your benefits.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Capricorn's fear of perhaps partnership in that way, mm-hmm. just like being aware that there are consequences to mm-hmm. choosing to go to in it with really someone commit. else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: And don't you take on also like the debt? You can take mm-hmm. on like the debt of your partner as well. If there,
2: if there isn't a sufficient prenuptial agreement, yeah, you can end up being responsible for hundreds if not more, like thousands and thousands of dollars of another person's debt.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a great keyword for like Saturn-Libra combinations or for Capricorn-Libra combinations is prenuptial agreement.
1: Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Yes. Let's plan for the worst in case Mm -hmm. this doesn't work out. Yeah. I love you. And
2: also, I don't know who I'm going to be in 10 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let's just thinking realistically, Mm -hmm. things might not work out. Yeah, what's the disaster plan? <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just yeah, disaster totally. plan in general, Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Capricorn
0: keywords. That reminds me of um, like Steven Spielberg's chart where he has Cancer rising, and he has Mars and Capricorn in the seventh house, and Saturn is ruling the seventh house, and it's in the second house of personal finances. And he got married in like the nineteen eighties, and they had a like prenuptial agreement, but they wrote it on like a napkin for some reason and when they got divorced, uh, he took the napkin to the judge and the judge was like, what? what the hell is this?
1: It <laughs> <laughs> <And> doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, predicted,
0: pre- predictably uh, voided the napkin prenup and then it, they were oh. married in California, so then his spouse got half of what he was worth. And at the time in the late, late 80s and early 90s, it was the most costly celebrity divorce in history.
1: Wow. Mm. It sounds very Aries to be like, "Oh, it's just right here on a napkin. that'll do right. Let's go.
0: Yeah, well, here's the <laughs> chart. So maybe. I never brought this component into play. I always looked at, looked at this as a ruler oh. of the seventh in the Second House night chart Saturn mm. example, because the reason I even found this example is like somebody challenged me on this once with his chart with the Doctrine of Sect, where they said, "You know, this is this famous director. He's one of the most famous movie directors of all time. He's very wealthy has Saturn in, in the second house in a night chart. So how could that possibly make sense? Because we would think that he that the doctrine of sect then should say that he shouldn't have money or something like that. And I was like, well, no, no, that's not necessarily what it means. Let's look at what happened when that Saturn placement was active and did he ever suffer any what he perceived as experiences of like financial loss. And sure enough, like in a, I believe it was like a seventh house Capricorn perfection year, that was when mm. that divorce took mm-hmm. place. But it's also interesting, I just noticed that the square was Neptune. Exactly. Like Neptune at 10 degrees of Libra, squaring the ascendant, but also the descendant at ten degrees of Capricorn and that sort of ambiguity there, therefore intention between those signs.
1: hmm Wow.
0: Yeah. So there's something there
1: too that's I think helpful for beginning astrologers to, to learn or to remember that like a placement of a malefic in a house or in a sign doesn't necessarily mean that your entire life is a struggle or there's no room for accomplishment or achievement in that area of life like sometimes Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. is just a singular very momentous or notable instance of struggle or challenge Mm
3: -hmm. that
1: ends up telling that story or fulfilling that promise yeah yeah
0: Yeah, exactly it can be like a one-time thing or it can be a thing that happens for example with James Earl Jones where he had you know those those problems speaking early on, but then eventually was able to overcome that and mm-hmm. and things largely become better and everything else,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. it's almost like again, with the the larger term perspective of time, mm-hmm. um, you know if you were able to look at your life as a whole, you know once your life has closed its its book, then you will see how perhaps all of the natal placements at a certain point told their story, mhm
0: yeah I was trying to explain that to somebody the other day of why it's hard to do consultations for younger people because sometimes you'll mm-hmm. say something, but it's it may not be something they've experienced yet, so it may yep. not land yeah. or may not hit because it's describing a sometimes singular or maybe even event that happens a couple of times that still lies in the future.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep,
0: absolutely
1: yeah I think is another one of the reasons why I'd say like Capricorn in terms of getting lighter with age, it's almost like the relief of like uh I've like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Now I know what my challenges were or have been like nothing can surprise me now. Evidence of survival goes Mm -hmm. a long way in reducing anxiety.
2: Mm -hmm. Just being like, oh yeah, I went, I got through that. I'm still alive. Mm -hmm. Got through that. It did not kill me. That one actually made me better. Right. Yeah. And to be able to then look back on that and say, if not, thank you. At least that wasn't terrible. Or the it wasn't right. the absolute most worst thing that ever could have ever happened ever, mm-hmm. and then it's like okay, so these other things that are coming up, I don't have to be quite as clenched around, mm-hmm. um, because I have like I have proven to myself, or life has proven to me that even though I feel like I'm in the meat grinder, um, I'm not sausage yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Is- is clenched uh, Capricorn keyword is that one? I would, oh, I would say so.
2: It's like it's like that tightness, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Right. There's the, the the tension. I mean, as a former body worker, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was a clinical massage therapist who focused mainly on fascia, which is connective tissue, which I think is extremely Saturnian, um, and like the the tension in the body, the like holding it together, that sort of sensation of re- responsibility that creates rigidity. Yeah, that clenchy. Definitely, like you don't, you don't, you know. I think about like Caitlin Copic's like wares. Like you don't want mm-hmm. a Saturn body butter. Like that's not going to melt anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even the the embodiment. I think like w- when you describe people who are Saturn native, so there's mm-hmm. just like maybe a tendency towards like the hunched shoulders and Hunch. the you know like like more like this lean um mm-hmm. physique just because of the like psychically carrying all of that mm-hmm. weight or it can also be like really great bones right mm-hmm. like like healthy saturn is like healthy
2: teeth and like good bone density and mm-hmm. like uh you know with with especially Capricorn you know it's like the structures being in good shape. Mm-hmm. But if That's- that Saturn is not so great, that can look like osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Right. Like cavities think, root canals.
0: <laughs> makes me think of a famous um, Capricorn moon with cancer rising, who's Arnold Schwarzenegger
3: mm-hmm. uh, and
0: just his his whole bodybuilding career and just like working yes. so mm. much to be in like peak physical condition and and peak mm-hmm. physical, like physique.
2: Wow, and that's another Saturn in the second example. And this right. understanding of like the body as a primary resource, and so needing to build the body over time as that primary resource.
3: Mm.
1: hmm Yeah, a good way to show, again, like how the detriment of the moon doesn't mean that the body is going to just like suck <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. like it just means that the moon is now working really, really hard, mm-hmm. like, incorporating those Capricorn components instead of you know, in Cancer, the moon might like to just lay around on pillows and, you know. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And what you were saying earlier, Diana, about uh, the perils, or not the perils, the advantages of, you know, being older and looking back and seeing the challenging events and having greater understanding and context and being okay with them, the reverse is also true. Mm -hmm. And I actually came across a tweet that was very Perfect today for Capricorn season. Along those lines, that said, it was like a quote. It said, "Knowing too much can make one old too soon." Mm-hmm. All, no- all knowledge comes at the right time, and mm-hmm. this is from uh, Shri Shri Astrology on Twitter, uh, who's mm-hmm. a Vedic astrologer. So shout out to that. But I thought that was really interesting thinking about that because that's it's kind of true, especially and it's something we could become mm-hmm. familiar with as astrologers. You know. Knowing the, you know, one of the downsides I always say of trying to find out the future with astrology is like knowing the future, mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes that information can be kind of heavy, mm-hmm. and that also makes me think of that phenomenon we were talking about earlier of people who were young that had to become old before their time or had to grow mm-hmm. up soon because they had, you know, the older responsibilities earlier on or even having mm-hmm. knowledge before. One normally does is a sort of weight on one's shoulders that, that can weigh on you and age you much quicker.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. There's something about how um, innocence is the absence of knowing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And ignorance whenever, right. is
2: bliss. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. It's like, you know, whenever you gain experience and you're no longer innocent, you can't go back. Like you can't unlearn things. Like you can relearn things. You can learn things differently, but you can't actually remove awareness from your system yeah mm-hmm. you can't
0: like um forget that like santa's not real for example
2: right yeah you can't forget santa's not real you can't you know you're never
0: gonna uh i'm sorry if i'm breaking that to anybody that's listening <laughs> oh, that's, no. well i, I
1: mean out. i i think that's a <laughs> disclaimer like, on the capricorn episode i feel like I, santa's,
2: I feel like santa's real but not in the storybook way
0: Okay, you're the right. The spirit take, of Santa. I t- no, I completely <laughs> take that back because people do listen to this with their children. Santa is real, and I don't know why I just said that just now.
2: Well, because it's, it was a joke. It was it's a, a thing that a lot of adults joke. say, to yeah. crack jokes about childhood.
3: Uh, That's true. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. The, but like, I, I, like. Mm. yeah, I forgot what I was going to say, so I'm going
1: to be done. Mm. <laughs> listen, I, the whole like knowledge makes you old before your time is another thing that I Consider about the um you know the millennial generation or whatever Mm -hmm. with the uranus and neptune in the in the saturn ruled signs the the experience of being you know the first generations to uh, have access to the internet at home as children Mm -hmm. and so uh you know i certainly know that in my personal experience that changed me that gave me Mm -hmm. the ability at a very young age to know that the world was not what it seemed to know that mm-hmm. there were things going on that were um yeah that were heavier that were um yeah <laughs> just the ability to expose oneself to all of the information on the yeah. planet uh, from a young age is it will change you know it's, yeah. it's, it's a change on childhood
3: yeah
2: especially to be like of a like youthful and like learning very very quickly and basically to surpass mm-hmm. your parents and navigating the internet yes.
1: prior to being a fully cooked adult <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah. and i feel like that enables us to you know to do more or to to almost like i don't want to say evolve because i hate when people use that term without um enough time span that would mm. actually justify evolution but you think of just uh, how the youth might critique or want to be different than their parents so people who have access to the internet from a young age just have the ability to hone in on like what do I care about what do I want to do who are the people who are also doing that just like Mm -hmm. um, find the paths to their personal goals like much more quickly or much more efficiently
2: yeah I feel like there's something here Mm -hmm. about the uh the cardinal tension with that Mm -hmm. that can be articulated where it's just like you know, here's this tangible thing that allows me to, you know, tangible thing that I can do stuff with Capricorn that allows me to interconnect Libra with people who I might not otherwise interconnect with and like, you know, pursue ideas and things like that, that I might not get otherwise, which Mm -hmm. allows me to cultivate giving a shit in particular ways, cancer, um, Mm -hmm. that might not be otherwise available in a way that's all about my own Personal pursuits, Aries, mm-hmm. and then one of the things that happens there is like, where are the elders, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like the the Capricorn component is like, hey, slow down, kid. Like, you got to actually be in tune with reality. Like, you know, how many people have been radicalized? Like, young mm-hmm. people, especially, like young men, especially, have been radicalized down truly terrible pathways because of unsupervised access to the internet that isn't grounded. With actual tangible relationships in the real world.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Like, like in cells and stuff like that. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's true. Even just yes. go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to think of like people find like, you know, authority, like authority mm-hmm. figures, role models, or mm-hmm. you know, a Capricorn archetype. And so, you know, kids find. Their role models are their authority figures on the internet who are just you know social media influencers mm-hmm. or um, famous podcast Ooh. hosts. <laughs> yeah, and they may, they their life may person. or may not
2: be what their life is presented as yeah. as well. Like you don't have that tangibility to confirm or deny
1: veracity of presentation. Mm-hmm. But they're more engaging than perhaps the, the authority figures or the role models mm-hmm. that would otherwise be present in that person's mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I think podcast hosts are a fine thing to pattern your life around and, <laughs> and take par- parental advice from. Uh, sure. But even just internet aside, you know, there's lots of times when I think younger people sometimes find themselves in a situation if they grow up in, with difficulties in their household where they have to take on ex- extra responsibilities before they're young or like, People that have to play the role of parent, if, Mm -hmm. for example, there's a missing parent, or if there's a parent that has, um, you know, uh, drug or alcohol abuse issues and they have to like raise their siblings on their own or something like that, there's lots of like versions of that archetype of the person Mm -hmm. that has to become the authority figure or the parent before they otherwise normally would. And therefore that kind of like ages them up pretty quickly.
1: Yeah,
2: totally. Mm -hmm. It's like most people don't who are precocious, most kids who are precocious didn't choose to be precocious.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it was just a or survival
2: m- tactic mm-hmm. almost. Mature for your age is less of a compliment than people think. Exactly. Also
1: yeah. the advice, just sorry, while we're at it with them, um, mm-hmm. false compliments to Capricorn folks. The advice yeah. like, oh, why don't you just stop being so hard on yourself? Like <laughs> seems like
2: you really have your shit together I don't have anything to offer you right Right? can you help me with this instead of being like oh it looks like you might need help
1: (laughs) I didn't realize that you were struggling you just seemed like you were you know you You do a really good job yeah you do a
2: really good job at looking like you're you're doing okay
1: right like high functionality despite whatever might be going on Mm -hmm. Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) just because I'm highly functional doesn't mean doesn't mean I like it doesn't mean <laughs> it's actually sustainable or good. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag burnout.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, burnout, I would say, is uh, burnout is, like, the most Capricornian. Like, like if I think about all of the signs and mm-hmm. I think about all of the signs through the lens of burnout, I'm just like, it, there's nothing it's like so Capricorn, Capricorn
1: burnout. <laughs> yeah. But it feels almost like that, again, the Benjamin Button thing. Like, after mm-hmm. Capricorn's, like, great burnout. Like hitting mm-hmm. maybe their personal rock bottom, that might yeah. be when they're able to take themselves or take life a little bit less seriously.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the shell is cracked and now it's just a
3: mess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we are back from break. We have a perfect Cap- Capricornian issue, which is Diana's computer is down to 20%. So we now have a race against time and we have <laughs> a deadline to finish this episode, which means. <laughs>
3: We have Classic. to do things
0: as as efficiently as possible, so we're going to grind through the other sign comparisons that we haven't done yet. First one, uh, let's switch to the triplicities. Uh, Taurus, first Earth sign compared to Capricorn. Trines, so they get along, what do they share in common or what are their affinities?
1: Mm, they share a uh, slowness in common. Um, Substantiality.
0: hmm mm,
1: Tangibility. Yeah.
0: Tangibility mm. and materiality I think are Things they share in common: a love for things that are nice, nice things.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a bit of inflexibility in terms of mm-hmm. having their mind made up about what is what is nice or what is good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taurus is interesting because it has very defined tastes. Like once it finds what it likes, it likes to do that thing like over and over again.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: Capricorn has a similar thing in terms of maybe sometimes having more refined tastes or. Inflexibility in terms of its preferences, perhaps.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like with Capricorn, there's more of a cultivation of preference and cultivation of taste. Like over mm-hmm. time, like mm-hmm. the refining process is part of the pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I say, say this as a Vetus. No to things. Right. Yeah. And I say this as someone with Venus and Cap- Capricorn. So, mm-hmm. um, whereas with Taurus, there is sort of this just like, no, I've identified what it is, and that's just what it is. Like I'm mm-hmm. not trying to work on it because it's fine. It's perfect the way that it is,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And it may, and that may be something that's like extremely basic and like unrefined, but mm-hmm. that Taurus just like likes because that's its personal taste. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Taurus is yeah. also very hardworking, which is mm-hmm. the, you something they share in common. Is mm-hmm. Taurus yeah. like understands that in order to have the nice thing that it wants, it's like that. That takes time, but it's like the motivation towards pleasure and security, Mm -hmm. perhaps more so than the motivation of Capricorn, which is towards that legacy or that impact on the world. Mm -hmm.
2: There's something about um, once you get Taurus going, you're not going to make it stop. Mm -hmm. Like once Taurus is in motion and what generates that motion is more about preferences Mm -hmm. versus impact. But like with Capricorn, the motivation, the motivation And the process is the point sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about the achievement of the thing at the other end, it's about the thing itself.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's good for Taurus and Capricorn. Let's move on Mm -hmm. to the last Earth sign to compare, which is Taurus and Virgo. Uh, What are the things we've talked about, or I talked about earlier, like a similar connection in terms of? Virgo is able to focus on the small things and therefore is able to see when there's something small that's out of place. Mm-hmm. Virgo is very good about like sequential order and like the little things falling in order like words and letters and sentences. So, the, so that it can be really good at like editing a written document, for example, whereas Capricorn is good at seeing the flaws in something and therefore has a sort of similarity in that way.
2: hmm I would say like Capricorn is more like how's your outline Like what's Mm -hmm. the overall structure and how do we need to improve the overall structure? Whereas Virgo is what are the details inside the structure and how do we refine the details
1: inside the structure?
0: Like the Mm -hmm. chapter structure versus like the actual sentences.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Capricorn, keeping in mind like what, you know, if we're going like Virgo might be really talented at writing in a particular style or crafting the thing to be like shaping the thing to be what it needs to be. But Capricorn might set that direction, like Mm -hmm. set that like we're going to need this type of style because we're trying to do this type of thing.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. One thing like this is actually something I help my
2: friends with sometimes is just like, well, what is the point? Like, what are you actually trying to achieve Mm -hmm. with whatever it is that you're making? Understanding Mm -hmm. that what you're trying to achieve will determine the best possible structure and delivery methodology.
1: Mm hmm. And They're both is, able to, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just, and then like Virgo is like, okay, but how do we refine that into the specifics of what's being presented?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to touch on that Virgo is also very capable of um, self-flagellation and self-restriction, like self-denial, mm-hmm. um, as it seeks to perfect itself or to refine away the flaws mm-hmm. in whatever it's working on, maybe not mm. just the self. Um, Virgo's very willing to do without anything that feels, you know, extraneous or, um, mm-hmm. you know, less than ideal once it decides what it's trying to, um, you know, manipulate or craft.
0: Yeah. And they're both signs that deal with specialization or mastery in that way. And maybe that's mm-hmm. connected to the fact that they're both, um, Exaltation signs mm. and mm-hmm. both earth signs, where Mercury mm. is exalted in Virgo and Mars is exalted in Capricorn, and they're both air, uh, earth signs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just think of what do Mars and Mercury do together if they're on like a, a dream team? It's just like they very quickly and efficiently edit cut. and they refine cut to the and articulate exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or, yeah. Or what are we excel. trying to do here?
1: What are we trying to say? Let's do it. Let's say it now.
0: Yeah. And that's what. Exaltation is all about is raising something up or being up to the highest level of something. So, mm-hmm. doing something at the highest level is part of the concept of exaltation. I think that's something that Virgo and Capricorn definitely both share in common.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, think of someone who's just like a like a chess champion. It's like a mm-hmm. you know, exalted Virgo, exalted Capricorn kind of mm-hmm.
0: thing. Yeah. Um, one example. I was really annoyed. I meant to mention. So I'm going to throw it in here in the series in the Virgo episode, and I forgot was the birth chart of Donald Glover, mm-hmm. uh, who has Virgo rising with Mercury in Virgo, and he wears like so many different hats, and there's so many different fields that he's gotten into and then excelled in each of those different fields. And I've always been impressed as like as an actor, as like a musician, as a comedian, like he does all these different things, which is a very Mercury type thing, like Mercury likes to mm-hmm. wear many different hats, but then also having it in the sign of its exaltation and like you know sometimes rising to the top of, of different fields at different points
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, Virgo could encourage Capricorn in that way to pursue uh, multiple skill sets, like maybe mm-hmm. rather than honing in on just mastering one it's being able to identify like oh I'm going to need to mm. you know if I, if I want to make a movie ah. i'm going to need to be a director, be a cinematographer, be an editor um like a, i always think of bo burnham is that like mercury and virgo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um example where in that you know that recent netflix movie he did he's like i wrote and directed and filmed and edited and starred in and mm-hmm. even and commented and all on yeah, yeah all of it it's Walt interesting having his saturn and capricorn re- saturn return oh, that's hilarious <laughs> yeah. um one thing that i think you know it's like virgo
2: Virgo gives Capricorn the accessory work that will facilitate the big plan, the big project, right? So it's like, um, you know, when I think in terms of like weightlifting or something, it's like, yeah, you could do squats and deadlifts all day. But if you never do accessory work, you might not break through your plateaus. Like the accessory work is actually very helpful for furthering the project. It's not a distraction. Um,
0: That's such a good… Keyword plateaus in Mm, working mm -hmm. out is a great Capricorn keyword because it's that thing where you go to a gym and you'll start lifting weights and you'll see a lot of progress, like really fast, Mm -hmm. like your muscles will start getting bigger. Newbie gains, yeah, (laughs) right. But then at a certain point, you'll see it slow down, and all of a sudden, you're not gaining. You're doing the same weights, but you're not like gaining muscle mass as much, and and it plateaus. So then, eventually, what you end up having to do is find a different way to do it. And like push it in order to jump up to the next level. And there's something about that initial push or the initial leap, sort of like a goat, like jumping up to like the next level on like a mountain that is really um, core to Capricorn in Mm -hmm. that archetype from the cardinalness of the energy.
2: Right. And there's also what's interesting is that depending on why you're plateauing, oftentimes the answers are eating more, sleeping more, or resting more right? You mm. might need to like deload, like deload processes of just like you cut how much you're lifting in half for a couple of weeks, and then you actually come back stronger. Mm. Recuperation is what facilitates continued progress,
3: mm. that cancer
2: Capricorn okay. axis.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's also Taurus, right? Taurus is like slow yeah, down, it feels very torus. eat, eat enough, and then you'll mm. actually be able to progress.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Uh, Cool. I think that's good for Capricorn and Virgo. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could stay there for a while, but I think we can keep moving for the sake of efficiency and time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Capricorn, so what's left now is sometimes we do the sextile signs, which are the Mm -hmm. other complementary signs. One of them is uh, Capricorn and Scorpio and what they share in common versus Capricorn and Pisces. Uh, Capricorn and Scorpio is a little bit easier because I think they share… Sort of a little bit of a strategic outlook of like planning mm-hmm. ahead or, or sometimes being able to see the, the weaknesses or the shortcomings in, some, in something. For Capricorn, it's like a, in a critical sense of like seeing the cracks and the systemic problems in something. Whereas for Scorpio, it's almost like seeing the weakness in somebody's armor mm-hmm. and therefore knowing like where to shoot like an arrow in order to like hit that weakness. And um, I think those are similar energies uh, between those two.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Efficiency and conservancy is like is part of that, I would say, where it's, you know, Capricorn wants to fix things so that they're least energetically like expensive as possible, you know, to like refine the budget so we're not wasting money or time. And with Scorpio, it's like I don't want to render myself more vulnerable than I need to be. So, I'm going to be very specific and precise with how I'm doing whatever it is in order to be efficient in my emotional
1: expenditures. Mm. Mm-hmm. They also okay. share that um, just the awareness of, you know, the dark side of life, of mm-hmm. not being able to turn away uh, from you know acknowledging that you, know, things are heavy, life is not all um, you know, flowers and sunshine. I think they, you know, that sextile really, like, speaks, I think, perhaps because of the Capricorn rising chart with Scorpio as the 11th sign, so ruling the place of friendship. Uh, We find that Scorpios and Capricorns are you know, birds of a feather in that way, just Mm -hmm. like they can be together just being super sarcastic or trying to find, like, levity um, despite the, maybe the hardships that they've endured. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point that those are the two nocturnal malefic ruled signs basically cuz the other two mm-hmm. malefic ruled signs are both um diurnal signs are aries and uh aquarius.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Capricorn and Scorpio appreciate that about one another that they're, you know, they're like there's no bullshit between mm-hmm. them. Like, you know, just tell it like it is, tell me how you really feel about me, tell me um, you know, how what's really going on for you, that kind yeah. of thing.
0: Sometimes there's a bluntness to that, and a willingness to just like look at the negative side of things, or the stark side, mm-hmm. or sometimes even the the gloomy, or what some people might consider like the morbid side of things.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like an appreciation of the meaning-making qualities of death, mm-hmm. um, which honestly I think also extends towards Pisces. Um, too, like if we were to bridge into the sex style between Capricorn and Pisces, um, just thinking about how much, um, you know, the the oceanic quality of Pisces. It's not just the cute spirit experience, you know, just like zoning out. It's also getting um, completely subsumed by emotion like grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that uh, making meaning from those sorts of overwhelming experiences, that's something that both Pisces and Capricorn can effectively do. Um
1: Mm -hmm. and Pisces can give Capricorn that like levity, that Jupiterian Mm -hmm. perspective of Mm -hmm. because Pisces is also aware of you know all of the nuances of you have suffering Mm -hmm. and pain in the world. Mm -hmm. But the the Jupiterian outlook is just like and isn't that great. Right. You know, everything exists in the universe and it's amazing.
2: Right, and Capricorn can ground whenever Pisces does feel very like completely drowned mm-hmm. by experience, like can't find the Jupiterian levity, but just is in the oceanic experience.
3: Yeah,
1: Capricorn's like even the ocean has a floor. Hmm. Or even that, like I'll be your rock in the mm-hmm. you know in the storm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes me think of both Capricorn and Pisces. And a, a tendency to need to look to something bigger, mm-hmm. and for Capricorn, you're looking to something like an authority figure sometimes, or looking for an authority figure like somebody you can follow or or pattern yourself after, or something that you look up to, uh, versus like in Pisces wanting to look to something bigger in terms of meaning or or like spiritual uh, truth or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I would say like Capricorn doesn't necessarily need a person, but like mm-hmm. a purpose. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. That's a good one. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Whereas like Pisces doesn't necessarily need a purpose, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh meaning. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like and like fine tooth combing those differences is kind of hard, but you know, yeah. meaning isn't so directed.
0: That sounds tricky cuz I think Pisces even though it's a sextile would be have some tendency to be a little annoying to Capricorn mm-hmm. because of the lack it's of unserious. direction. Okay. Unserious.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and Scorpio would be annoying to C- Capricorn from the perspective of like why aren't you doing anything? Like exactly you're just sitting, you're swallowing
1: sitting in it. You're literally just rolling around in the swamp. Come on, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> to both Pisces and Scorpio, Capricorn mm-hmm. is just like, "All right, like are we done crying now?
0: <laughs> like right.
1: you take all the time you need but eventually like especially the Pisces Capricorn is like we do have physical bodies. I'm sorry. I have to remind you but mm-hmm. you, yeah. you you're in a life like you're in a physical form. We're going to have to take care of some yeah. necessities. You can't you can't transcend just because you're heartbroken. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yet. Like we will. We will die. Yeah. It's fine. We will die one day, but for now, let's keep living. Let's keep doing the thing. Yeah, and
0: there's definitely some escapist tendencies mm-hmm. with Pisces, which I think Capricorn, being more grounded, would have more problems with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Capricorn that-
1: can never fully let go of reality in that way that Pisces can. Like, cannot permit itself to be totally, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Es- escaped. It's too
0: too risky to do that. Because um, mm-hmm. there's also like a timeless quality to Pisces. Like time is like boundless, or to escape to like an imaginal realm with Pisces versus, you know, with Capricorn, the closest you get to that would be like the world builder would be like the one that's like building an imaginary world or something like that, like like mm-hmm. you know, uh, Tolkien or like mm-hmm. um, George R. R. Martin or something mm-hmm. like that.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's interesting that Capricorn has that relationship with Pisces, where it has the aversion with Sagittarius, so it's almost like. It likes Pisces, um, you know, dreams and ideals more than it likes Sagittarius's. Perhaps because Pisces is more concerned with um, mm. with other people or with like a bigger perspective. And Sagittarius might, as a fire sign, be a little bit more self focused.
3: Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah. So mm. I just think about is like, why does Capricorn get along with one Jupiter sign but not acknowledge that the other one exists? Mm. I mm. mean, They're also just sitting together. Sagittarius Mm -hmm. and Capricorn, they're sitting right next to each other. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah. I'm just kind of thinking of the notion of aversion as Mm -hmm. um, just like, yeah, they're sitting right next to you, but you're just like, yeah. You're thinking about something else. Yeah. You're talking to someone else.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, So, speaking of aversion, that takes us to our last two signs, I believe, which are uh, Gemini and Leo and how Mm -hmm. they relate or do not relate. To Capricorn, since they share none of the same qualities in common, so why don't we start with Gemini, um, if we can? What do you think? I mean,
2: whenever I think about Gemini, I think about butterflies, and I cannot think of a less Saturnian creature, right? <laughs> right? Or like even <laughs> yeah. like mayflies, right? Like these cre- these like little winged beings whose life is like twenty four hours, like they're barely here. Like they're here, they reproduce, and then they're done. They're gone. That's it.
0: I'm hearing, of, um, I've never heard anybody like critique butterflies in their existence before <laughs> until I love this them. Episode. They're so
2: necessary. <laughs> they're so pretty. They're so mm-hmm. flitty and yeah. they disappear like instantly. <laughs> they're like barely around. That's so um, funny. You're,
0: you're like, what a useless bug, a uh, butterfly. They, they, they pollinate.
2: They pollinate. They do okay. have a purpose. They do. They do I have like, a purpose.
0: I feel like they're you're backtracking. They're
1: very efficient. Yeah. They they're, get the job done. I get, yeah,
2: yeah. They're so efficient. Well, you know, it's like they're, they they do not endure, right? Mm-hmm. They do not endure, and they like their their lives are spent mostly, literally, in the air, like not grounded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. just from that perspective, it's just like the antithesis of Saturnianness,
1: like yeah. ephemeral right. and ungrounded, mm-hmm, like yeah. mutable air, diurnal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, like just having nothing in common <laughs> with the, <laughs> the cardinal earth yeah Yeah, one of my favorite perfumes is called the butterfly for the record so i you know no shade on Butterfly. no shade (laughs) i just want to quickly clarify too no shade on sagittarius i'm sorry i keep like harping on how much capricorn hates sagittarius (laughs) i mean as a capra sagittarius person i'm just like i don't know i feel like we're friends no we're totally (laughs) friends it's just feels like sagittarius just has it so easy sometimes (laughs) (laughs) too easy it's true it's true
0: (laughs) Um, so back to Gemini. So the, mm-hmm. there can be sometimes a surface level or almost shallow quality to Gemini, whereas I think that would be a tension with Capricorn that wants to be more serious, wants to dwell in more serious long term matters, mm-hmm. whereas Gemini, like Aries, is more like quick and short.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, there's also something with the way that Gemini can like collect and disperse information, but without like sometimes without that much discernment. Mm -hmm. Which I think it can be troubling to the like, what is the substantial thing to say and share that Saturn Mm. has? You know, I even think like right now I'm even imagining um, like the Ents in uh, The Lord of the Rings. The tree people. The tree, like tree beard. Yeah. Like these like living trees. They're very old. Their speech is so slow. That takes them forever to make a decision. And then you have these little hobbits, which are, there's two hobbits, they're Gemini, coming in, <laughs> being like spicy and fast.
0: <laughs> and, they're, and they're all like talkative and they're talking very quickly and the ends mm-hmm. are like talking very slowly and very deliberately. Right.
2: And the hobbits yeah. want a quick decision. It's just like, we need to go get Saruman right now. And the Ents are right. like, now is a very fast time <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have to go and have like a meeting and everything else
2: and, and it takes yeah. them
1: all night just to say hello
0: right yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i love That's that it's very all much
1: right. the capricorn being like wait what are you actually trying to say gemini yeah. like yeah you've just said like a thousand words but what what were you trying to convey
2: what was the meaning in that yeah. That's perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to be our animal. We're going to replace. We need to replace that uh, goatfish. Uh, and for now, on like Capricorn is going to be the Ents or like the tree people <laughs> from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I second. Okay. Relatable. I second this vote.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very relatable.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, that can also that tension can also be good, and, and that's sometimes mm-hmm. why aversions are good because it mm-hmm. can, um, even though that it's they don't naturally relate or have that affinity. They can sometimes like drag each other into directions that can be useful. So, Mm -hmm. that's disrupting
1: status quo Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like diversifying uh, the maybe the source material that Capricorn Mm -hmm. was drawing on for making its Mm -hmm. decisions. uh, Jim and I might be like, wait, but have you considered that the. Your Perspective that the world is fucked, and you know what, not mm-hmm. it might not actually be true, according it's to it's like mother. the world is
2: fucked. And also, have you listened to like the latest Lionel Del Rey album? Like, <laughs> yeah, <on>. exactly. The <laughs>
1: levity is yeah, it's helpful,
0: <laughs> yeah. And just the flexibility, I think Gemini can help bring mm-hmm. flexibility to Capricorn a little bit more than it, than it would be otherwise, or, or to lighten mm-hmm. up, which is also mm-hmm. a quality Sagittarius helps Capricorn yeah. out with in terms mm-hmm. of lightening up.
2: Yeah, I'm even thinking now of um, like the studies that have been done about like elder people, like old people have better quality of life and improved cognitive capacities whenever they are regularly spending time with children. And mm-hmm. children are also benefited by spending time with old people, like solidly old, totally retired, not necessarily mobile, limber people. Like it, there's a mutual benefit there, even though. Logically, you're just like, but like, why would there be a kindergarten inside the old folks' home?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That, like, that's that, actually good
1: for everybody. There's a great show about that. Actually, yeah, that's a great.
0: That's a great. That's probably the best analogy, and is up there with the tree analogy <laughs> in terms of the the contrast between Gemini and Capricorn, as well as mm-hmm. how those contrasts and those tensions or differences can sometimes be productive.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, every Capricorn oh. needs a Gemini around to keep them young. Yes.
0: Right.
1: But also, just that, I guess, really quickly, that phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, how Mm. often that's applied to Gemini and how maddening that is to Capricorn. Capricorn's like, no, master of one. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have like Gemini placements and Capricorn placements, how difficult that can be to reconcile to be like, every new interest that I take on, I need to master it. Just Mm -hmm. like what an impossible task that can be. Yeah.
3: Yeah, for sure. I know.
2: It's like
1: staring at Mars in my sixth house right now. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the lesson for all Capricorn risings right now is like, have you tried doing less?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to our our final contrast. I believe, unless I like totally skipped a sign, which is Leo mm-hmm. versus Capricorn. I know we Last touched on that. Last but
1: not least. <laughs>
0: Right.
2: <laughs> Saving the best for last, Leo. There Definitely. you go. That's nice. why we yeah. were doing it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Definitely not least. Um, what are so so Capricorn's a cardinal earth feminine sign and Leo is a masculine fixed fire sign?
2: So one of the things that immediately comes up for me when I think about Capricorn and Leo is how both Capricorn and Leo have um A similar but different singularity of focus. Like there's like with both of them, there's a like, I am going to be sovereign in some significant way for myself. Um, and with Capricorn, it's like, I would like to be sovereign in order to accomplish in legacy and blah, 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 blah. Whereas I think with Leo, there's like no like like solid solidity of self for its own sake. Right. There isn't necessarily a purpose beyond that experience of solidity of aliveness. You know, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can be a little confusing for Capricorn where it's just like, what do you mean? You're just being yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Leo's why? Like, I just right. got to get my story out there. I just right. got to tell Leo's my like, story. I just had like, why,
2: wor- why are you working so hard? Why don't you just be yourself? Says Leo mm-hmm. to Capricorn. <laughs>
1: yeah. Capricorn's like, because myself is not good enough. Yeah. Yet. It's
2: like, because myself is kind of boring and it's actually the evidence of my selfhood that matters,
1: aka my legacy and work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, like we can tell my story after I've accomplished the, the, the something biographer, noteworthy. The biographer can take care of the
2: story part. <laughs> like once I'm dead. Exactly. That's a really,
0: that's a really good, good though, analogy or metaphor combination is just like the biography or the autobiography of a person mm. who's lived a long and successful life doing many different interesting career things and they built themselves up until they were somebody or they made themselves into a celebrity mm-hmm. where they're sort of like the center of a, a little solar system in their own life.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's where, you know, if Capricorn and Leo are successfully mm, I won't say blended, but like merged in some way, like that's that's it. It's the like I'm 80 years old and I'm having a ghostwriter do my autobiography while I sit and talk with them and eat cookies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That very I very
1: much Uh, Oh, go ahead.
0: Just to talk about oneself uh, is the Leo part, but to talk about one's accomplishments is the Capricorn Mm -hmm. part.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the Leo Capricorn integration as well could be kind of recognizing that um, one has to become the role model that they want to see in the world, (laughs) because with a Leo Mm -hmm. placement, people will be naturally like maybe noticing you or looking up Mm -hmm. to you or. you know or you'll feel that call to like put yourself out there
3: mm-hmm. but
1: then with capricorn needing it to be a substantial reason that people mm-hmm. are looking at you it's like well i better if people are looking at me i better like make Earn sure it. that i'm a i'm a risk exactly i'm like mm-hmm. someone who's worth looking at right and that worth is actually interesting since leo
2: is the 8th sign from capricorn mm-hmm. so from capricorn's perspective leo being the 8th house it's like, how am I sharing these resources with others? And, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of interesting relationship between owing other people things and, mm-hmm. like, being oneself. So there's almost like a, um, I don't know, like, 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 I think about this tension quite a, quite a bit um, in terms of, like, the, the, the real thing that you're sharing is the work that comes through you specifically. It's not just the work as a standalone.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so right.
2: sometimes bridging that gap is that recognition of like, I might not be like special, but I'm also like there's no one else that's like me.
1: Right. The and so because- combination of like mm-hmm. your story or your life history, mm-hmm. your skills, your ideas of what needs to happen. Your mastery enabled. too. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what you're giving the world is that
2: whole combination of things. Not Mm -hmm. just, you know, like if you're a cabinet maker or something, you're not just giving people useful cabinets, you're giving people the cabinets that only you can make.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: That makes me think of um, Leo Capricorn combination, makes me think of the role of like a movie director on a film set and how Mm -hmm. it's like this singular person who's at the heart of everything and um, is sort of the center of that solar system that you have all these other people doing their jobs, like sort of revolving around. But also, who's playing this role of like the person with the plan, the person that is the authority figure that mm-hmm. the buck stops here and that mm-hmm. um, they say what goes and they are the mm-hmm. one that everybody looks to for guidance and direction on <clears throat> you know how we're going to get through this and how we're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what it makes yeah. me think
1: of, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's and perfect. like,
2: unless you're Bo Burnham or whatever, you're also not on screen in the end, right? Mm-hmm. The movie. Mm-hmm. Like most directors aren't in their movies,
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they're also all
2: they're also all over their movies, right? Right. It's like you know when you're watching a David Lynch film, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and had to point out Bo Burnham is a Leo son. Oh, that's hilarious! (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: So he's a Leo (laughs) son with like three planets in Capricorn.
1: Uh, yeah, the generational Capricorn stellium but then Mercury and Virgo. So just like a really good example of what happens yeah. when sun is in Leo and Mercury is in Virgo. Yeah. And yeah, along with the Capricorn stuff. It's just like I will do everything, I will be at the center of attention, <laughs> uh, but it will nearly destroy me. Yeah. <laughs> it can't happen. Right.
0: And he was he was wow. a funny example also of somebody that did that and rose to success very early through his talents. Like mm-hmm. when he was like a just a teenager and I just remember him seeing on like sitting in like a panel of comedians several years ago and they're all like older comedians in their like 50s and 60s and 70s and stuff mm-hmm. and the contrast between them was just really interesting seeing and yeah yeah it's a funny image
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and then that like um that awareness of i guess of the self the flaws or the critiques of the self reflecting on how to improve the self that seems mm-hmm. to be a lot of what the content of that movie inside is about it's like he's going through a Saturn return and he's realizing how his um the cheap shots that he would take at maybe people who were from less advantaged um you know social groups he's like i'm recognizing now that that was inappropriate and that mm-hmm. it's my responsibility as like a straight white man to to be as good of a person as i can
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um yeah that was one of the best Saturn and Capricorn Saturn Returns stories. It was interesting. I'm going to have to do a Saturn Returns in Aquarius one here pretty soon now that we're getting to the end of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of getting to the end of things, I think we've gotten to the end of this episode and to our comparison with the different signs of the zodiac um, unless there's any I've forgotten, but it looks like we did pretty well. Mm-hmm. This has been an amazing conversation. I really liked it. I'm sad it's over because funny, is very Saturn Capricorn thing where once we got warmed up and got going, I feel like we started covering like a lot of really amazing stuff and really got into mm-hmm. it. And I could, we could go forever, but the uh, limits of, of time and space mm-hmm. and other Saturn things are going to force us to come to a conclusion here. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me what each of you have going on and where can people find out more information about you? What do you have going on, Dan?
2: Um, I'm currently working on some things that I can't talk about quite yet, but I also have a lot of uh, previous things that I've done, like lectures and workshops that are available on my website, I'm continuing to do stuff on my Patreon. And every now and then I say interesting things on Instagram. So that's that's kind of it uh, for now. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. What's your website URL?
2: <laughs> DianaRoseHarper.com, uh, which will immediately convert to Di- Damashina.com, but it's easier to spell Diana Rose Harper.
0: Nice. Okay. And uh, what do you have going on, Madeline?
1: Uh, mostly working behind the scenes on uh, Honeycomb Collective, my business. Um, yeah, that's a it's a two person. business. I actually forgot so. to
0: introduce you at the very beginning of the episode, so that actually would be worth doing. So you're actually one of the two heads and the founder of the Honeycomb Collective and the Personal Astrological Almanacs, which we're huge fans of here on the show. And Best that's things your, in the world.
1: Buy one brain, now. That,
0: that's your brain. <laughs> that's your brainchild, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. My partner, Colin, and I just, um, are geniuses. It's, I mean, he's the Aquarius Stellium, so we'll <laughs> give him the genius credit. Yeah. Um, but no, it's so it's something, cause it's funny. Sometimes people think that we're like a big company, maybe because of just the proliferation of the product within the astrological community or the, the polished presentation of it. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the two of us. So. If you ever write to our customer support, it's one of us that's going to answer it. If you like, you know, if something happens to your product, it's one of us who's going to deal with it. Uh, whenever people are like requesting new features and whatnot, I'm like, we will try to get to that.
0: Nice. Um, so you sell yeah. uh, personalized astrological almanacs based on a person's actual birth, birth chart where People enter in their birth data and then it actually prints up like a custom personalized almanac that lists your transits for the year and and things like that, right?
1: Exactly. So essentially, we've created software that will automatically generate a personalized book, um, which we then will, you know, manually review or refine when necessary. Um, But it's, yeah, we're, it's like we're kind of a technology company, but bringing this is very like with our Aquarius Capricorn um sinistry, just like bringing technology into the physical form um mm-hmm. sort of the vibe. Uh but yeah, so you can find more about that at honeycomb.co, which is honeycomb.co. Um yeah, and I'm hoping to do more like being in front of the camera this year like because we we get a lot of requests for like workshops and tutorials and um you know, so you can follow some of our like instructional information on Instagram, but mm-hmm. Hnycmb underscore co, which is just honeycomb co without the vowels. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Yeah, and it's it's me doing all of all of that Instagram stuff. If you're ever wondering who's writing the content,
3: yeah,
0: awesome.
2: The I things you your... make are always like brilliant. The little infographics. Yeah, Thank I love you.
0: your infographics and memes. But some of the best meme game in the in the business. Um, oh, so I'll put that's
1: high praise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll put uh, links to both of your websites in the description below this episode, either on the podcast website or on in the description below the video on YouTube. Uh, as for myself, I'm just going to keep doing the podcast. I'm almost finishing this series and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, if people enjoy this work or if you're learning a lot from it, consider signing up to my Patreon just in order to support the series as well as future episodes I'm going to do because I'm starting to think about what comes after this Zodiac series since we're going to be wrapping that up here in the next few months and maybe doing an ongoing series on the houses and starting a series Mm. on each of the 12 houses after this. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, thanks both of you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. It's been awesome.
0: All right. Thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of the Astrology Podcast, and we'll see you again next time. Special thanks to all the patrons that helped to support the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on patreon.com. In particular, shout out to the patrons on our producers tier, including Thomas Miller, Catherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Issa Sabah, Jake Otero, Mimi Stargazer, and Jean-Marie Kaplan. If you appreciate the work I'm doing here on the podcast and you'd like to find a way to support it, then please consider becoming a patron through our page on patreon.com. In exchange, you can get access to bonus content that's only available to patrons of the podcast, such as early access to new episodes, the ability to attend the live recording of the monthly forecast episodes, our monthly auspicious elections podcast, or another exclusive podcast series called the Casual Astrology Podcast, or you can even get your name listed in the credits at the end of each episode. For more information, visit patreon.com slash astrology If you're looking to get an astrological consultation, we have a list of recommended astrologers at theastrologypodcast.com slash consultations. The astrologers on the list are friends of the podcast that have been featured in different episodes over the years. And they have different specialties such as natal astrology, electional astrology, sinistry, rectification, or horary astrology. You can get a 10% discount when you book a consultation with one of the astrologers on our list by using the promo code astrologypodcast. The astrology software that we use and recommend here on the podcast is called Solar Fire for Windows, which is available for the PC at alabe.com. Use the promo code AP15 to get a 15% discount. For Mac users, we recommend a software program called AstroGold for Mac OS, which is from the creators of Solar Fire for PC, and it includes both modern and traditional techniques. You can find out more information at astrogold.io, and you can use the promo code astropodcast15 to get a 15% discount. If you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then I'd recommend checking out my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune, Where I go over the history, philosophy, and techniques of ancient astrology, taking people from beginner up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. You can get a print copy of the book through Amazon or other online retailers, or there's an ebook version available through Google Books. I also recently published a new translation of the anthology of the 2nd century astrologer Vadius Valens, which is one of the most important sources for understanding the practice of ancient astrology. You can find that by searching for Vadius Valens, the anthology on Amazon or other online book retailers. If you're really looking to expand your studies of astrology, then I would recommend my Hellenistic Astrology course, which is an online course on ancient astrology where I take people through basic concepts up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. There's over 100 hours of video lectures as well as guided readings of ancient texts, And by the time you finish the course, you will have a strong foundation in how to read birth charts as well as make predictions. You can find out more information at courses.theastrologyschool.com. I also recently launched a new course there called the Birth Time Rectification Course, where I teach students how to figure out your birth time using astrology when the birth time is either unknown or uncertain. You can find out more information about that at theastrologyschool.com. Each year, the podcast releases a set of astrology calendar posters for the coming year, and we've just released our 2023 planetary alignments and planetary movements posters, which are now available on our website at theastrologypodcast.com. There you can also pick up our 2023 electional astrology report where Lisa Scheim and I went through the next 12 months, and we picked out the single most auspicious date for each month using the principles of electional astrology. You can get that at theastrologypodcast.com slash 2023report. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, including The Mountain Astrologer magazine, which is a quarterly astrology magazine, which you can read in print or online at mountainastrologer.com. Finally, thanks also to the Northwest Astrology Conference which is happening May 25th through the 29th, 2023 just outside of Seattle. This year's conference is going to be a hybrid conference where you can either attend online or in person. Find out more information at norwac.net.